Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. Get hyped, everybody. It's Star Trek's time. Episode 22 of the Star Trek's project. It's Star Trek's, right? It is Star Trek's, and it is week 22, and I am hyped. And I am Matthew. And I'm also... I wish I hadn't said I was hyped. I'm nope, Judah. you're hyped. It's fine. You're hyped now. I don't want to be you. hyped. You're too. You're called hyped now with an apostrophe D at the end. I'm not H- the hammer. H- no, H-I-G-H apostrophe P apostrophe D. That's pretty good, right? Yes. I mean, it sounds like a Klingon food when you spell it that way, but yes. Uh, Boy, we're doing another one of these. Um, Yeah, it just never stops, huh? Yeah, I don't even know. Do you even have any comments before we get jump into this thing? I mean, it's, 20, it's 22 of, of these weeks. That's um, 110 episodes. Uh, you know, Rick sent me an email the what? other day. And he has just started watching Deep Space Nine. Ooh. He doesn't know that we're doing this. He doesn't listen to this podcast. And you are afraid to tell him for good he reason. He just started watching Deep Space Nine and wrote me an email to tell me how bad it was. <laughs> We've been through that. And in having this conversation with him, I, uh, I just reminded myself today that both Voyager and Deep Space Nine are in season two. Yeah. But... Uh, we still got strong season one vibes coming from both TOS and TNG. So. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's a, it's a little bit of a mixed comparison here, but uh, this week by week project was stupid when we started it. It's no more stupid now. No, I think it's once you're at that level of stupidity, you're you're not going to notice any changes. I think. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it it feels familiar to me. <laughs> so right. uh, we should jump in though, because yeah, um, I took a lot of notes this week. It's hard not to. There was stuff happened. And stuff didn't happen? It's interesting. A lot of it was baffling. Let's do it. Uh, This week we watched Space Seed. I think that's our shortest clip of the the opening theme clips that we have. That one just gets in and out. That's because it repeats so much. Yeah. Uh, All right. Hey, in this old ding-dang old episode, uh, they found a super old ship. And uh, there are a bunch of uh, cryogenically frozen dudes on it, and um, when they un- unfroze them, they figured out that they were uh, these these dudes from the 1990s, which was a very scary time we all remember. That's right. The last major world war happened, the eugenics wars, and uh, these guys on this ship, uh, they're being led by this guy named Khan Noonien Singh. I always want to make sure I get that one right. And he uh, he was one of the warlords of the eugenics wars. At one point, he controlled a, a quarter of the planet's population. They say. And they do uh, say that. <clears throat> anyway, he uh, he befriends a lady, and they they try to take over the ship. 
because that's what they do, because they're conquerors, and uh, as always, Kirk has to judo chop and kick his way out of this situation, and guess what he does, and then he maroons him on a planet and says, uh, we'll never come back to this planet again to see how they're doing. <laughs> so, that's what happened. What did you think the take was in this thing? <laughs> Ben's pick of the week. <laughs> Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. That was longer than the Star Trek music clip for this. So, um, so Ben loved this episode. <laughs> right. You gave it 27 points. That's a lot of points. We'll get to what we gave for it. for his take. And I want to start with his take. Okay. It's actually not... His take is not far off from mine, really. So... Uh, his take is that moral evolution trumps physical and mental evolution. Okay. Be- because Kirk and crew win the day, even though they don't have the eugenics uh, superpowers of this other dude. Yeah, that's correct. I wrote, teamwork and mercy will win the day against raw strength and superior natural ability. Mm. So it's kind of a wordy take. What is that, what is that worth for you? What did that get you? Uh, to me, that's only a five. To me, it feels like it's too specific. Like, it doesn't really... It's not something you can just generally apply to all situations, because it's so detailed. Well, so the problem with this, and I don't know if this was the case in the 60s. Maybe I'm not giving it enough credit for being of its time. We always try. You You don't hear a ton of people spouting off about how great an idea eugenics is. It's true. You mostly hear people, when they talk about any kind of genetic experimentation at all that it's terrible and we shouldn't do it that's the more common opinion i think right if anything people are like knee-jerk frightened of it yeah maybe because of things like this yeah yeah maybe and um i don't know some movies about nazi superman i don't remember um during your during your description when you described khan as befriending a lady yeah i didn't really know how to put it you meant that he hella negged her and then he sort of threatened her with rape. He dominated her for sure. And then he manipulated her to make uh, to stay with him and help take over the ship. Mm-hmm. And then he trusted her way too much. Yeah, yeah. He did the weird thing where he um, he admonished her for her weakness. Yes, and she left the room immediately and betrayed him. That's correct. It wasn't, Instantly. He maybe should have thought about his choice of words. But he was, I mean, to be he had gotten pretty far by telling her that she was garbage and should worship him or whatever. Yeah, it worked out for him pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, that, it was very embarrassing. We'll get to it, I'm sure, a million more times in, while we talk about this episode for the next hour and 45 minutes. But um, he, 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 it was very uncomfortable to watch this lady just absolutely become a doormat instantly the minute she saw this guy. Uh, I had, as a take... Oh, so what did you give that? I'm sorry, you gave it a... I gave it a five. five. Okay. I it's, also... It's true, and it's a Star Trek take, but it's also... It's it's both too obvious, and maybe, as you said, it doesn't generalize well. Yeah, I tried to t- go more general, and I went with something somebody said in the episode, which I always like. I, I also gave it a five, by the way. I gave it a five for superior ability breeds superior ambition. Yeah, so that was definitely... Uh, that was definitely my rough draft take. Dick, as you were going as through, like, somebody said proceeded. it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, 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 they said it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, 
look. It's uh, not not true. Yeah. He does want to take over the whole universe. <laughs> like, the instant he's awake, he's plotting to take over all of the things in there, and he's constantly talking about how much better and smarter he is than everybody. So, I I, I definitely think that was uh, something they were going for, whether or not it was the, the ultimate takeaway is always hard to tell. But, but what does that mean for us? Mm, that, what do uh, we do with that information? Watch out for people who are good at stuff because they're jerks. Everyone who's <laughs> good should be taken down a peg. Don't trust anyone who can do anything. We should only like promote people who suck at everything, make them in charge, because yeah. they're not going to try to strong arm everybody. I don't know. Yeah, to me, that's not great. It's not great, it's true. And the morality take is, like you said, it's either backwards or just tepid. Like, I think you can only take away, what they did was bad! It's like, yeah, I know, they're the bad guys. That's how it works. I don't know. I gave it a five. Okay, well... So we agreed. Yeah. Um, so like I said, in terms of the take, it does show that Khan cannot be satisfied for even one half second, just like on to the next Conquest. Um, so that part was fine on execution. As usual, this episode is extremely sexist, as we were just talking about. It's pretty bad. She is very into getting manhandled by this ancient brute. It's sexist in little ways and in big ways. Her weak, her weak vagina can't stand against a sexy warlord, dude. When Kirk asks Spock how many frozen people are on that ship, yep. he tells him 72, of which 30 are women. It's, well, you know, no one asked, by Spock, the way. Spock's always worried about the Kirk women. Kirk did not ask for a gender breakdown. <sighs> yes. It, but it is very important to relay that information. I wonder if he meant it like, um, and 30 livestock. If he meant it like that. It is a question. It's kind of an open question what Spock meant by that. Um, but yes. It was, no, at times, seriously, this was one of the more embarrassing ones to watch. Like, I looked away a lot, like, oh, wow. It was difficult. This professional woman really, really just, just gets jerked around real bad. Well, let's get into it. As soon as she walks onto this old ship, they bring her along because she's the the fucking historian on the ship. Right? Also, don't forget that Kirk <laughs> takes a shot at her before you even meet her. Says maybe uh, this historian will finally have something to do for a chance. Yeah, and he calls <laughs> her the wrong name. Do dude, something. Calls right? her the wrong name. Yeah. She doesn't. When she shows up in the transporter room, he's not embarrassed about a Christmas party thing. <laughs> no. He's like, "All right, fine, let's go." He has never dicked this one. And so as soon as she gets on the ship, she sees this unconscious dude, and she is just, like, fucking fumbling all over herself and breathing all heavy, just like vagina is exploding underneath that little miniskirt. Yep, yep, yep. And she's talking about how he's probably a Sikh Sikh warrior. Yeah, yeah, uh, hmm. let's just just dip right into racism. She looks directly at Ricardo Montalban (laughs) and says he's from northern India, and he's probably a Sikh. (laughs) It's like, uh, well, he ain't wearing a turban. He ain't got a beard. Like he's just a guy. What is making you think he's a Sikh? He's he's wearing a net, so he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have the other items that a Sikh are supposed to carry. He's not wearing the special underpants. No, he's de- like it's a weird conclusion to draw just by looking at his face to go. That's I'm looking at a Sikh right now. And she's she doesn't know his name yet. No, and she's so married to this theory that she goes back to her quarters and paints him in a turban. 
She, yeah, she paints a picture of him in a turban. We never see him wearing. We see pictures of him from the 1990s. Yeah, he had the same ponytail <sighs> because he that picture was taken right before he got into that ship. It's it's very weird. She's got this whole thing in her head about Sikh warriors and how good they are at fucking ladies, I guess, because she's just falling yeah, all she over She leaves herself. that unsaid. She doesn't talk about that to Kirk, but it's let's say it's implied. <laughs> and then talk about sexist in small and big ways. One of the other small ways is... Kirk and Spock and McCoy are just walking around the whole episode talking about her and how she can't help but be in love with this guy and asking, like, how far she'll go. And she's so in love with him. What was this going to affect her performance? And they're just, like, having these conversations openly. Yeah, you know, Kirk has the prototype conversation for the thing that happens between Troy and Yar in Code of Honor. Yes. Mm. You tricked me! And I, we're friends, or whatever she said. Troy, I'm your friend. That's why I call you Troy. <laughs> um, yeah, when he when he he t- he says, and men were more adventuresome then, etc., etc., and and like he's just and, and she's like, out. and she goes, yeah, and he goes, good. I'm glad you were honest with me that you want to fuck this dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's just the whole thing is so bad. It's so inappropriate. He, she goes to his quarters. He makes her get down on her knees and beg to stay. It's yeah. just really... Ugh. It's pretty bad. It's bad to watch and hard. Mm. Look, he's from the 1990s. It's like... When Kirk... When Animal Kirk went after <laughs> Yeoman Rand. And he did. He gave her the straight Shatner treatment. That was rough. Yes. It was It was rough, but... Yeoman Rand wasn't, like, complicit. Oh, no, no, no. And even though she wasn't going to say I mean, anything. she wasn't going to report him. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't going to report him because he's, he's the captain and she loves him. But, but you know, you're right. She didn't do nothing. She just walked in there. Yes. And then he gave her the candy care for the blindside chat treatment where he just took her for a ride. <laughs> no stunt doubles in that one. Nope. Um, yeah, this lady is just all all in. Just really debasing herself. Anyway. It's bad that she's in Starfleet. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. If this was a real person... Yeah, I would. How did she get here? And then in the end, she stands by her man. She does. Goes to be marooned on City Alpha, whatever. She may not want to be a laughingstock after her court martial. <laughs> um. So that wasn't good. I, I would have liked it better if Khan was more of a worthy adversary for Kirk. He's so yeah. He's very dumb. He's so... This is the problem with this. They <sighs> ask in the beginning, so they note that he's very he's an impressive physical specimen. Mm. Uh, and it's true that Ricardo Montalban is muscular in a way that Kirk is not. Yeah. So in the mid '60s, he probably looked pretty good. Yeah. No. He. No. I mean, look objectively as a man. Just saying, man wise, <laughs> oh, he's super handsome. Just man wise, mainly he w- he was looking pretty good, except for the fake brown makeup. He, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan of his haircut either, but like. No. But you know, he was, saying, like, he was sold. I get it. They got they got somebody who was pretty jacked, and also who turns out it can act. So like that's a they got lucky because yeah. we know when they try to cast people for physical attributes, they often end up with people who can't even read. <laughs> yes, correct. Or maybe sometimes they're German, and then you're really confused. <laughs> it's very you're just confusing. like ah, I don't get it. So they talk about his physical prowess, and and they sort of speculate whether his brain matches his body, and it turns out that it just does not because. Mm-hmm. Of the, He's they're they're in there interrogating him, him at and he dinner. He gives the game away all the time, and it's like, 
Kirk is like asking some real easy to see questions. Like this shit, he's telegraphing yeah. this shit. Some and, very leading questions. And dude is just stepping in it over and over again. And every time he steps in it, he's like, ah, you're pretty smart, Kirk. Oh, look at you. You're really getting me on this one. I didn't see that coming. And it's like, man, you're dumb. You're so dumb. You're dumber you're, than. You're very dumb. You're dumber than the most average human. Like, what is you going know, on? Sometimes a dumb guy thinks he's smart. Sure, yeah. Right. 90% sure that's what's happening with Khan. Well, and I don't want to give this episode any credit for Star Trek 2 or anything, but in Star Trek 2, I did get the feeling that he was the dumbest of the eugenics warriors. Because <laughs> everyone, everyone on his ship is give, trying to give him advice. And oh, they're that's like, true. Maybe you shouldn't, you shouldn't go into that nebula, because, you know, that sort of nullifies all the advantages we've created so far. And he's like, no, damn it! Into the nebula! And then it's like, oh, okay, I mean, that's I told you you probably shouldn't do Star that. Star Trek writers are obsessed with Moby Dick. <laughs> that's right. So, I, I I do get the feeling that it was more force of personality and less intellect that made him in charge of these guys. Because he, yeah. he, don't, he don't seem so very bright. So it would have been better if he was more of a worthy adversary. So easily fooled into saying incriminating shit. And also, this dude is aggressively Mexican. I mean, it's very bad. His it's extremely bad. accent never approaches Indian. He does not attempting it, which, uh, frankly, is to his credit. I don't know. Yes, I don't want to see the... I don't want to hear the cheesy Indian accent. Why magnify the brown face But like that he's already doing? Correct me if I'm wrong, they put an Indian guy in this episode. Okay, so this is, I thought, also was wild. (laughs) This is just crazy to me. Instead of Sulu, Uh who's been in basically every episode so far, there's there's a guy who, to my mind, Really looks South Asian on the bridge. I believe he is some kind of Indian or Bangladeshi or yeah, that's, um, f- fucking Pakistani or something. That's super cool. Did you happen to catch his name? No. Spinelli. Oh, oh. yeah, that makes sense. So is he Italian? I got so it. So is this, this is just straight up race play, right? <sighs> yeah, I'm just, what I'm, yes. But you could have just got an Indian. I mean, you have an Indian. You can find them. Yeah, they exist. You put them in the episodes the first time I've seen one, I think. There weren't 1.6 billion of them <laughs> in 1966. But there were several hundred million. But there were hundreds of millions of them. And yeah. some of them could act. Yep. So, all of these things, these many, probably, many things. There were probably even some pretty jacked Indians who could act that you could have been available. You could have at least looked for them. I'm just, it, all these things combined, even though I thought it did fine with my premise, I gave it a four in execution. And, and by the way, now that seems very generous, now that I've said it out loud. Yeah. Uh, can I drop that to, I'll drop that to a three. Okay. Because I can't remember anything that I really liked. It had some problems for sure. I also uh, gave it a three. Okay. Um... This is one of those episodes where it is and isn't about eugenics, mm-hmm. right? Because Khan fails because he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And also, in the end, he's defeated when Kirk just beats him with a pipe? Yeah, yeah. Just beats his ass. Is this too early to ask what that pipe is? <laughs> I mean... I don't have an answer for you, so I think it's always going to be too early. They're to fighting ask in that. the engineering room, and all along the console, every one foot, there's a little like handle that sticks out. Yep. I don't know what those are supposed to be, but at one point, Kirk just pulls one of them out, and it's just a rod. Yeah. The same color, the same white color as the handle. Same PVC pipe, fucking 
vacuum tube is what he hits him with because that what? thing is very soft. What does it? What does that do? What? <laughs> what is that device? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You'll never have an answer. I don't know. It's um. It's one of those things where you put the the note in it and it shoots through the ship. One of those things. So I mean, like Khan almost wins. Yeah. If he'd been one percent nicer to MacGyver's, yeah, or just not trusted her, right, or not somehow given her authority to order the other guy around, that didn't make any sense. Yeah, or like just made her stay in that room. Yeah, when she was say, uncomfortable and had to leave. Just hang out here. Don't yeah. don't worry about it. Uhura's about to shut down this viewer, so <laughs> right. you're not going to have to watch. Uh, uh, he he wins. Yeah, they. They kill Kirk, and then they kill Spock, and then what? Right. Yeah, I mean... Do you know well, what I mean? This is, and this is Khan's whole thing. I mean, again, in Star Trek Two, he, he could easily have won a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. It's a three. It's not a good <laughs> yeah. episode. And I think that's disappointing, because everybody likes Star Trek Two, And I like Star Trek Two. I like Star Trek Two too, but it's not... I don't like Star Trek Two as much as everybody does. I don't think it's because Khan is such a great character. Like, some people are like, oh, and I had a great villain. And it's like, was he great? <laughs> he was, was he, mean. He was an idiot. He put worms in people's ears and shit. Yeah. And he said I mean, stuff like... that wasn't like, nice. said stuff like, buried alive. <laughs> buried alive. Which was awesome. But he wasn't much of a villain. Like, much of an adversary. He was dumb as a fucking bag of hammers. Yep. Anyway. Uh, uh, ben gave yeah. it a 7 on execution. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> I don't even want to read it. <laughs> it's just, whatever. You know, he uh, thought it was good. Everything he said was bad about this he liked, so, okay. like... It, it, he, he likes that Kirk shows mercy on them by marooning them. It seems twisted. And another one of those just random, I'm captain out here, I make the decisions yeah. kind of call. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Crazy authority. A general in the field can disobey even the Emperor dog, and apparently that is the founding principle of Starfleet. Oh, it's okay. Someone will basically confirm that that's the principle in a later episode. <laughs> and in, like, 40 Oh, and episodes. don't worry. It's also strongly implied by the fact that they don't even address what happens at the end of Deep Space Nine. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, <sighs> okay, world building. Yeah, you go no, for there's it. There's no denying that there's world building in this episode. I agree. The last World War was in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. It was the eugenics wars, everything about that. Yeah. The sleeper ships. Yep. And they're phased out in 2018. I noticed that as well, yep. Uh, got some other stuff that you haven't said. Starfleet has at least one fleet admiral. Mm-hmm. There's such a thing as neural gas. Right. The ship has a historian. The big stuff is all the eugenics wars. Yeah. That's big, um, that, like, and then that is big universe building stuff. We like that kind of thing. It is, but here's the trouble. I gave it a six. Okay, uh, and here's why: the eugenics wars stuff just doesn't come up again. Um. All right. So here's the thing. I mean, okay. So it comes up again in the movie, obviously, because he comes back, and they do talk a lot about the post-atomic horrors. They do. But uh, I'm it, not sure how they fit in. So far, they definitely talk about the post-atomic horrors, and they show Q's weird little court. It'd be nice if they said something about, like, 
this is a this is a court court system was set up by Khan Noonien Singh or whatever. I know in, in early next generation they were trying not to talk about TOS that much. Yeah. Just rip it's it just off like, at every fucking turn. It's not important for a long time, and then it's just outright contradicted by the time you get to the next generation movies. Yeah, which part? Just the timing or uh just first contact, just can't possibly. The fact that when Zephram Cochran twenty like, fifty whatever. Right. And but it's like clearly they've just had their war. Yeah, I'm yeah, I don't I, it would be difficult for it to be a fifty year atomic war or whatever, but it's they don't really say. Right. So I, I do yeah, I get well it becomes hard to play with because then you have a weird because this universe lasted well beyond the 60s, which is not something that I think anybody anticipated, they yeah, didn't really not. build in a lot of time to play with. And if thing, if major no. events are happening by like the 80s and 90s and shit, then you're kind of up shit creek. The, so the best explanation for this is to take all of the dates that appear in this episode and move them 100 years forward. Except you can't. You can't do it, but that's the best way to reconcile yeah, everything. You can't because we know from Enterprise that the Vulcans have been there for like a hundred years. Oh no, you don't change anything about when the Vulcans arrive. Well, because when I'm so, so if you move everything about this episode oh, of a hundred years, then you have years, to assume that the eugenics wars took place. twenty ninety, right, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yep. So it's all it all sucks. It just got yes, it's not great, and I, th- I do think it's just because they thought the show was going to run however many years it ran, and that would be it, and then they wouldn't have to worry about it. They didn't know it was going to keep going into twenty seventeen or whatever. But you also don't really see any any big impact of the eugenics wars. Like, is genetic manipulation doesn't seem to be illegal. Oh boy! In the Federation, I just I don't want to talk about Deep Space Nine. Well, I don't want to. You don't want to talk about Deep Space Nine, but we. Do we have to? Well, okay, so it does come up Deep Space Nine, but we also have to talk about Enterprise, and so this is the problem. Spoiler like alert: Enterprise. Enterprise is going to really heavily jump on this. That's the problem. Enterprise. So you haven't seen that yet, so you shouldn't put in, put it in your score. But Enterprise is going to tackle eugenics pretty heavily. Mm. So anyway, mm. look forward to that. Yep, like everything else about Enterprise, <laughs> I'm looking forward <laughs> yeah. to it. All right, so I gave it a six. All right. uh, How did you think it did world building wise? Yeah, you got you got the atomic powered DY one hundred from the nineteen nineties or whatever. They, everyone knows Morse code still in Star Trek times. Cause well, like, Uhura does, which well, kind of makes sense. Uhura knows it like really good, and she starts to talk, say it on the bridge, and Kirk's like, "Yeah, we know, we can hear it." Yeah, which was that doesn't mean he knows what it says. Weirdly testy. He is very testy in that moment. Um. Uh, today it is full alert and standby alert. That's uh, yeah, what he that's uses. Uh, yeah, all the eugenics wars. Uh, which one do you think you jettison the pod at? Um, you better do it at the right one. That's all I know. That's a court martial offense. Otherwise. I know enough to be careful, but I don't. I'm not sure which one. Uh, yeah, 2018 is when people phased out all the cryogenic sleeper ships. Um, whole populations were bombed out of existence apparently during these ancient wars. Proof that English was the surviving language, in case we had any doubt about what they called it or and what it really is. And they do specifically say English. Yeah. Also in Enterprise, it comes up. Yep, it was a week. Not a plot point there, but it does come up. It was a week for that. Uh, it came up in multiple episodes. Um, let's see. Simultaneous takeover of 40 countries, so you get some good details on the eugenics wars. 
Um, she was last of the dictators to be overthrown. Asia through the Middle East. Uh, yes, flooding the decks with neural gas. Medical decompression chamber. I don't really know what that does. I guess if you... Uh... If you if you're gonna get the bends, otherwise, I don't know how much pressure work they do, but it exists. Um, by the way, I, I did like that Khan's empire was essentially the Persian Empire. Yes, like the area that he w- took over. Yeah, was basically uh, ancient Persia. I would like th- I, I would like to hear more about the wars to find out. Yeah, other well, don't worry, you're not gonna. Were. I know. Uh, intruder control circuit, which sounds like an amazing invention. Um, that's what I had. I gave it a seven because of all the uh, the background, the good exposition background. Well, again, that's. I mean, it definitely teaches us something about the universe. It's just, it is a little bit unfortunate that it puts some fantastic advances in technology before the year nineteen ninety three. Yeah, uh, but ben... we already knew this wasn't our universe because our universe, as far as we know, doesn't have magic in it. <laughs> as far as we know. Ben gave it a six as well, by the way, so. Yep. Uh, characterization. Uh, like I said, Kirk was hella testy with Uhura in the opening scene. Uh, action Kirk breaks into that cryo unit and saves Khan. Doesn't, he mm-hmm. doesn't really ask for instructions or anything, he just no, kind he of just busts it open. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kirk and Scotty also have hard-ons for this dude. Yeah. They talk about how much they respect his intellect and ability, and talk about how great his tactics were or whatever. Well, there were no mass executions under his reign. Which is uh, good to know. Um, So that's him and most political leaders. (laughs) It's a very low bar to clear, and yet they were very impressed. Well, Kotos the Executioner couldn't do it. Uh, He sure sure couldn't, and it's Kodos. Kodos with a D? Yeah. I don't remember. I never remember that guy's name. Uh, in his star date, they have my ship. Yeah, he does say that. He was very worried about that. Uh, finally, Kirk comes up with some real on-the-fly justice for these dudes at the end of the episode. Um, see, McCoy thinks it's cool not to tell Kirk about the whole scalpel attack thing. Yeah, he should say something. He should be like, hey, uh, before you walked in, this guy choked me and threatened me to, with a scalpel. He was going to gut me or whatever. Just thought you should know that this is that's what this guy's like. He should have told him about it just so he could brag about being a badass. Yeah, because he had all the lines for him. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna, you better do it quick, cause I'll fuck you up, bitch," or whatever he <laughs> said. <laughs> Kill me or don't, I don't care. But if you don't, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> uh, in the uh, after context over the ship, Uhura ain't saying nothing. Yep she she ain't gonna she ain't gonna fucking crack an interrogation. She knows what does happen to snitches. That's right. Uh, Spock gets to banter with Kirk and McCoy in the first few scenes, uh, which is always fun. They usually say that for the end. Yep. Spock is rightly outraged by Kirk and company's behavior in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then also it ain't great. rightly points out that Kirk may have fucked everybody by letting Khan go. Yeah. <laughs> which is just like, did they intend to revisit this at some point? Because he just straight up says, hmm, who knows what the fuck you just did. Do you think, um, do you think Scotty and Spock and everyone are fucking pissed off that Kirk made them put on their dress uniforms and go to that formal court-martial ceremony just to ring the bells twice and say all the charges were dropped? So, yeah, I would have been pissed. For yeah, sure. What are we doing here? 
Yeah, thanks for wasting everybody's time and for not doing anything about this insane villain. Yep. Good job, Kirk. Yep, yep, yep. Wonderful work. I gave it a four. I mean, I had it a little higher. I had it at a five. Okay. I originally had it at a five, but as I was reciting it, I went, (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Not happy with what happened in this episode. McCoy's a stone-cold killer. Kirk proves his superiority over Khan by uh, hitting him with an engineering rod. <laughs> uh, also, he makes wild and drastic use of his personal authority. Uh-huh. Um, but everyone That's on the ship on be- being stoic and refusing to give in to Khan, despite his threats, uh, is why I give it as much as a five. Yeah, they did well. They they handled themselves pretty well. And Kirk, you know, he handled himself well in the fight, but I think kind of embarrassed himself otherwise. I- I've said before that that peak Kirk is... Uh, talking a computer into self-destructing. Mm-hmm. It, hitting Khan with the rod is less of that Kirk that I like. Mm. Especially... Especially if you're just showing that, oh, you're stronger than the strong guy. <laughs> it's like, well, because eugenics ain't nothing. Be smarter than him or something. If, you know what I mean? Yeah. He just beats his ass! He does. He just He just beats him. Well, okay, but to be fair, his love for the Enterprise will always make him victorious in any fight. Well, that is true. He hulks up. Like Hulk Hogan in the 80s, he just decides. He just goes, nope, I'm hulking up. Uh, It it makes him able to withstand spores. We'll discover that later. I can't wait for that episode. That's going to be one that scores low, but the enjoyment is high, I I predict. Uh, That's my hope, but I thought that might be this episode, too. Yeah, it was too embarrassing to really get behind. Uh... Checking in with Ben. Mm. Uh, he thought it was ballsy of Kirk to uh, give that lieutenant a dressing down because she uh, had sex feelings on an away mission, because that's kind of his deal. That's <laughs> true. Yes, it does make him kind of a hypocrite. But he uses his sex feelings really well. He usually uses, he uses them in a them clever as a weapon plot. against a woman. Yeah. And sometimes against a little girl, Mary. Looking at you. Oh, that did happen. I got a few quick hitters. Go for it. Spock uh, seems to know his starship silhouettes pretty well. He could even tell the difference between a DY-500 and a DY-100. I'd love to see him working with flashcards. The DY-500's got a cool spoiler on it. That's why. That's probably what it is. Um, They run across the ship, goes to commercial, comes back. Kirk gives a log entry that says that uh, they've been alongside it for an hour and no signs of life. And then he cancels Red Alert. Was it at Red Alert for a whole hour? Yeah, dude. An hour they were at full <sighs> alert. That blaring klaxon would be... I'm sorry, did you say klaxon? I did, because I am speaking to the Harada. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, Is there an actual Indian on the bridge, and is that a deliberate insult? <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, hey, Madonna was on that sleeper ship. Because of, of her cone bra. Yeah, because of her funny yeah. cone bra. Oh, it makes perfect sense. That ship took off in 1993. If only Madonna had gotten on a ship in 1993. And never uh, MacGyver's uh, flooded her basement immediately when she sees Khan. <laughs> yep. Khan's uh, pretty dumb for a superhuman. Mm. Uh, I didn't think that any military man would put on their decorations as haphazardly as Kirk did when we see him in his uh, dress uniform. For the special dinner in Yes, for the, special di- for the special dinner. They're like, they're real sloppy. I gotta be honest, they always look bad. Like, they always look like they're not really paying attention to military uniform protocol. 
the uniforms don't fit. They're not being worn correctly. The decorations aren't being worn correctly. They just kind of show up in whatever. Tummies. There's no inspection line, dude. They, they just fucking show up. Thought it was uh, pretty hack that when we see Khan has woken up all his men, all the men are already dressed in their red jumpsuits, but the women are still running around in their nets. <laughs> yeah, he's still handing out the one. The, all the men got him first. The uh, pressure gauge on the uh, decompression chamber, I figure, might be the last thing ever delimited in inches of mercury for pressure. <laughs> yep. Marjan laughed at that, too. Yeah. <laughs> it was silly. Uh, well, then we get a treat. Um, we see the all-time worst stunt double. Really, like, we've seen some bad ones, but this one so far in this project kind of stands out. This guy gets so much... I'm I'm surprised he didn't get a line. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't get to say something as Kirk. He was on screen so much as Kirk, and so obviously. Hey, this all goes back to the thing we said a million times, that originally this was in black and white on a tiny little TV and shitty deaf, and you were never going to see as clearly. But this was just a straight brunette Kirk, whose yeah. whole head and face w- was on screen for a long time. Yes, substantial <sighs> amount of time. It would be difficult... Like, you could have looked away. Like, if you just walked into the room and saw that happening, you would not think that was Kirk. You'd be like, ah, Khan's fighting some ensign. I've said this a, n- a few times already for TOS, that sometimes the stunt double's so bad, I assume I've missed it and someone else has entered the scene and they are fighting. Right. And then a second later I go, oh, no, oh, no, that's supposed to be Kirk. Uh, when he turns when he turns the, the, the this planet over to Khan and his people... I think in 2017, you probably wouldn't uh, use the phrase tamed a continent to describe the settling of Australia by the English. <laughs> you, you would hope that more sensitivity would be shown? Yeah, like, there were people I mean, there, there were people living there. Yeah, and maybe you don't tame people. That's probably yeah, maybe that's not, not a good not, way to put it. Not cool. Not a good way to think about and talk about things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <clears throat> uh, what have you got for me? My first note is, I see that Indian helmsman. Um, yeah, what was that? And I have time for a sexy historian? Oh, never mind, not that sexy. Right. Kirk doesn't even bother to remember Tits MacGyver's name. Uh, some racist shit about how Sikhs are fantastic warriors. This lady wants to insert history into her lady parts and butthole. <laughs> um, they even play the love theme when she sees his unconscious body. Yeah, they do. It's very bad. Uh, I think it's appropriate that Kirk dresses this lady down for wanting to sleep with a, a sleeping caveman. Yep. Um, cool. Like, if nothing else, uh, hey, leave him alone. He's got a lot. He's got a lot to get used to. He's gonna to. have to do some adjusting, probably. Like this is gonna be pretty big for him. So maybe give him a little space. Yeah. And uh, super cool. He did yoga one second after waking from his coma. Like oh, is with, that what you interpreted that stretching to be? Within the first second, he was doing some spiritual stretching. Because it kind of looked more like Tai Chi to me. What if, okay, sure, yes. Whatever it was, one second after he woke. Well, uh, don't forget he's Indian. Why Why does he have a Mexican accent? Yeah, it's not really addressed. Mm, let's see. He was uh, the best of the dictators, as we talked about. I kept shouting, no, stop doing it, whenever he would do yoga or whatever that was. Like when he, <laughs> he yoga his about, way through that he, door. He did about three or four times in order to sort of bulk up. Yeah, he yoga through that door. He, he straight yeah. up did a yoga fire, dude. 
Yoga Flame! Um, yeah, they're all wearing legit fishing nets. Um, this time it was... It's not their regular clothes, by the way. That's for sleeping. I don't know, like, no attempt is made to explain that. Those are very comfortable pajamas. I guess. They definitely breathe. This time it was Scotty who got judo chopped. Poor guy. In in engineering, he got judo chopped. Um, Marjan and I kept talking about Councilman Jam every time they said they were being jammed. (laughs) We kept going, you've been jammed! Uh, This is a weird, desperate captain's log. Strange time to be giving out commendations. Well, he wants it on the record. It's just, maybe you should try to do something about the situation that you're in. Yeah, they gave up pretty quick. Uh, Uhura gets really rough treatment on this show. She gets hella slapped around by the the captors. Yep, and this one was very unconvincing. Yeah. They're driving him crazy with their loyalty, though. Khan was yeah, he very unhappy. He was uh, like, what are you doing? Why aren't you breaking? I guess if these other idiots that he's got along with him were all petty leaders in their own right, they're probably not super loyal to him, so... <laughs> He can't figure maybe, out why they're loyal to Kirk. Maybe he's... I don't know how long he spent with these guys, but maybe it's bad. Uh, neck pinch still works on Superman. Yep. Um, the whole time I was thinking, Spock's pretty strong. I wonder if he's stronger than these Supermen. I don't think anyone's ever said he's five times as strong. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know how strong he is. We know he's strong, though. I mean, we saw what he did with that giant spear. <laughs> it's like, I feel like it was nothing. Yep. Spotty, Scotty punched that dude right in the side of the head. It was amazing to see. Yeah. <laughs> it was really a great shot. Uh, let's see. What's his name? He crushed that Play-Doh phaser. Oh, yeah. That was bad. Clearly made out of some nasty old clay. Uh, we already talked about the stunt double. Hit him with a vacuum tube until he was unconscious. Uh, episode MVP could only be Kirk. He uh, kind of dominated this episode. Mm. Well, I didn't see fit to award him Best Actor. Okay. Uh, I give it to Khan. That seems right. Yeah, the accent, but he's not trying for an accent, so it's kind of hard to hold that against him. And frankly, I think not attempting it it was the right decision. Yeah. I give worse to MacGyver's. Yeah, she was bad. Her character was bad. It was all bad. Like, it's not... it's, It's mostly not her fault. But it's not. There's there's no charitable explanation you can give. Like, she didn't put anything into the performance that explains why she falls for this guy. Yeah, there were... Uh, maybe the there script was... said she was supposed to, and so she did. She read the script, is why. I mean, yeah, that's basically <laughs> what it was. Uh, if only there had been a copy of the script inside that chamber, that uh, the cryogenic chamber. That'd yep. Great. <clears throat> That's it, man. What, what do we get on numbers on this bad boy? All right. Um, okay, so uh, I gave it 19. Oh. Uh, you gave it 19. Mm, it was originally 21, but I talked myself down. So it comes out to 38. Wow. Uh, and I think that's because it didn't have, like, a baffling non-premise. Right. And it makes a serious attempt at world building. That's true. So... 38's not bad. It's above average. This is one of those ones where neither one of us was real excited by the actual watching of this episode. But uh, score-wise, not too bad. And as we mentioned, Ben gave it a 27 by himself. Yeah. 
And there have been weeks that have been won by an episode that scored only 38 points. I know. Uh, I'm actually a little bit worried about it. The last one was the Galileo 7, which only scored 35. Because to give a win for this would be really unsatisfying. That oh, would be very bad. <laughs> it would be very bad for them to knock, knock up a 10th win on this. Let's see what happened, though. There's some other episodes. We watched some <laughs> yeah, other we got, episodes. I got four more to go. Yeah. This week we watched uh, Skin of Evil. En route to a rendezvous with the shuttle carrying Deanna Troy, sparks fly as Worf and Yar discuss the upcoming martial arts tournament. <laughs> I wish that was what the whole episode was about. Um, but that shuttle goes down, uh, crashes on a planet as the Enterprise listens helplessly uh, because they are stuck at impulse speed and they're an hour away. Mm. Uh, luckily, Chief Engineer Leland T. Lynch is in the first act. Mm-hmm. And he's able to bypass all of the safeties to get the warp engines online. Um, and they head to uh, Vegra 2 uh, at Warp 8. On the planet, the away team can't reach the shuttle because of an oil slick mm. that moves as they move. Uh, Data deduces that it's alive, and uh, it's so pleased that it rewards him by speaking. <laughs> the oil slick is uh, named Armus, and he is an asshole. Yes, major asshole. Uh, he kills Tasha Yar 11 minutes and 30 seconds into the episode. Kills her for good. Beverly makes no attempt to revive her on the planet. No. But when they get aboard, she uh, she runs a bunch of uh, techno babble. Uh, uh, well, she runs them at 70, 80, and 90 microvolts, so she uh, did her correct. best. The direct um, neural stimulation or whatever she says. Oh, direct reticular stimulation. I wrote it down. <laughs> That's right. <sighs> Uh, Armus envelops the shuttle and has his first conversation with Troy, uh, in which he attempts to make her feel bad. <laughs> like, tries to hurt her feelings, I, I think. I think so, yeah. Uh, back on the ship, Picard names Worf the acting security chief, and uh, they decide to head back down to try and reach the shuttle, but Worf makes the very mature, responsible decision that he he's better off on the ship. Yeah. Even though he wants to go down there. Even though you know he wants to go down and disembowel that oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in another conversation with Troy, Armist reveals that he is the sum of all of the evil emotions from a race that is now beautiful to all who see them. <clears throat> and that he's been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Troy goofs up by showing him pity. And in his rage, he sucks Riker down into the oil. Yes, he does. Uh, Picard pretends that he's going to transport Armus off of the planet so that he can talk to Troy and tell her to, like, keep pushing Armus's buttons by making it confront its feelings. But then he just does the work anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, in the end, Picard just uh, tells it, no matter what it does, it's going to be stuck down there pitying itself, and it screams in rage, and the uh, Enterprise transports everyone away, and then they go to Tasha's funeral on the holodeck. That's true. That all happened. Whoa, whoa, what was this episode about, buddy? Your your episode descriptions are much more detailed than mine. I'm going to do better on the next one. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do much better. Um, I will tell you what true evil is. It's to submit to you. 
it's when we surrender our freedom and our dignity instead of defying you. Armor Saint Evil Dog, it's the surrender of freedom and dignity that's evil. Alright, that's the take. Okay, what's that worth? F- five. Five. Worth five points. Pretty straight line Star Trek take, right? I don't know. Yeah, it is. And uh, here's what I wrote. Okay. Uh, maybe there's no such thing as pure evil? <clears throat> Question mark? Um, but I did give it a couple of bonus points in the take for the aggressively science fiction premise of uh, incarnating and abandoning all of a society's bad emotions. <laughs> like, hey, I have in my quick hitters, or maybe elsewhere too, that I don't even think Armus is a sci-fi thing. I think he's like a Greek myth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just like, no, these beings just took all of the evil out of themselves and made another being out of it so that it could so they could leave it behind. Yeah, this is one of the seven fundamental plots in all of literature. Yeah. Definitely is uh, skin of evil. Uh, <laughs> I also gave it five though for the for the take. Uh what'd you uh, execution do? For ex- wise. Yeah, what how, how did this thing fucking perform? Okay. Um Oh hold on. It is... From Forged in Fire, will it cut? <laughs> okay. Uh, It is uh, very, very, very Star Trek to be confronted with a being who acts and announces himself as being pure evil Mm -hmm. and to sympathize with him and to win the day by talking. That's true. All of those things. That's pure Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I give it a seven for execution. Okay. Now, there are some things that I'm discounting. I am discounting the bad season one sets. Sure, that same planet they've been to 40 times already. Right, this time the sky was orange. Yep, I noticed. They changed it the It is bulbs. the same, definitely the same planet as the vicious animal things. Uh-huh. Where the sky was green or whatever? <laughs> yep. And probably, although they dressed it up a little better from the last outpost. Definitely, they just put in those crystal trees and made some lightning happen. It worked better for me there. Yeah. Uh, I am, I am discounting Riker yelling data. Something's got me. How could you? He knows what's got him. It should be a hundred bonus points. <laughs> data, something's got me. Yeah. Do you not know? You don't know what he it knows is. what's got him. Oh, I got so many good Riker points. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, uh, I have never liked this episode mm-hmm. historically. Like, it's just one you gotta get through, and then your reward for getting through it is after this one, there's no more Tasha Yar. It's true. And by the way, that will still be our reward. Uh, it is still a reward. <laughs> um, I, di- I didn't hate it this time through. Like, Damn. maybe it's because I've been watching so much other Star Trek. That could be. But it's like, the people and the emotions all seem real. Oh boy. In this one. Yeah. And not... Not like they just read a script. I agree. I mean, they're not all good actors, and they're not all good performances, but <clears throat> there are things that happen in TNG that are that seem to separate it on a performance level. Yeah. Consistently enough, and yes, including this episode. <clears throat> I mean, even... So, like, later TNG is what people like better. And it has better sets, mm-hmm. and it has less wildly dramatic music. And sometimes Picard wears that other that jacket, the casual. And Picard jacket. wears his his action jacket, which I like. Um, but like this crew, like these are already the the people that you would want to serve with. Yeah, 
these are the people who know their job and don't get mad at each other about petty nonsense all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like the opposite of what happens on Enterprise. And yeah, it's kind of like exactly the opposite yeah. of that. I hear what you're saying. I'm with you. Um, What did you have for execution? Uh, so far we're on the same page because I gave it a 7. Oh, wow. Um, Armas claims he's evil, but Picard insists that giving in is what would really be evil, losing freedom and dignity. In a way, they're both right. Right? Armas lost his freedom and dignity when the titans he speaks of left him there like that. Yeah. And that's what made him evil, was, was sort of giving in to that and having that taken away from him. Yeah, there's not there's there's not quite enough for that to actually be what the episode is about. Hmm. But I think it's not a stretch to take away from the episode that he is as much evil because he has been abandoned there after being told he's evil. Yes. As he is because their procedure worked. Yes. That's that's correct. Um and the Enterprise crew were the good guys because they refused to give in no matter what. They'll sacrifice and endure in order to win. So, uh, th- from my premise point of view, whatever, that that all works. Um, generally speaking, just like what you were talking about a second ago, what has impressed me the most about TNG Season 1 is how much more real the characters seem than the other shows that we're watching. Yeah. I always have remembered early TNG as being very cheesy, and by the way, they've had a million dialogue monster problems, to be yes. sure. You always remember, I welcome this huge one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, sorry, Troy. That one is the one that I've remembered for a million years. But um, but the actual, when they're, not, when they're not saying a weird thing, they do seem like real people. Yeah, I think the cheese is in the music, and some of the plots, and not so much in the dialogue or performances. As much as Yar hates to hear about her... Oh, just moving on to another point. As much as Yar hates to hear about her meaningless death in a later episode, I think so do most Trek fans. They don't really like the way she went down, because it, it was sort of pointless. Yeah, but, like, that's how people die. Yeah, but I think that, like, the surprising and rapid nature of her death is a lot more like a real scenario, and it forces the crew to confront something terrifying in real time. Yeah, like, and also the way... They have to pull it together yeah. in the conference room, and, like, Picard takes charge of that. Well, like I was, I mean, was going to say, you start with Picard's reaction in sickbay. When he hears the words that she's dead, that Crusher couldn't save her, the look on his face is like, just like the people at home probably were like, what? Only scrubs die on Star Trek. Yeah. Like, what? What do you mean? Hold on a second. Like, he's genuinely like, oh, I don't even understand what you're saying. Troy's reaction in the shuttle... The her immediate acceptance of it, like knowing how real it is. Yep. And then, like you said, the staff in the conference room kind of rabble, 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 talking over each other about how senseless it was and how much they want to kick this dude in the balls or whatever. And then Picard having to calm down. It all feels like a real reaction to a real thing that would have happened, despite the cheesy blood oil slick on Yar's face. Yeah, uh, um, and despite despite the fact that she was killed by the. Uh, evil of an entire civilization may manifest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then this is where I was going to say, the reason it doesn't score higher than a 7, despite all of my praise for it, is that Armis is a really lazy villain. In it's appearance, bad. character, like, that's the real disappointment of this episode, and probably for people who were sad about the way Yar died, is that he's a crap villain. Yeah. He is a garbage villain who killed a main character. 
So, yeah, I think seven is just about right. Um, surprisingly good for Star Trek in terms of execution, but uh, still could they could have made a better episode. Yeah, oh, definitely room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, did you find that they did any world building? Well, to talk about the Zed Lapis sector for me for a minute. What do you know okay. about Zed Lapis? <laughs> well, there's Vagra 2. That's in it. Um, not sure how much lithium crystal discussion we've had so far. I can't really remember, but they gave us a good look at the crystals and the chamber and all the, like, they aligning did, yeah. them and all that shit, the startup sequence, whatever. Um, direct reticular stimulation. Wait, direct? At 70 to 80 microvolts? 90 microvolts? Yep. Um, these aliens that can make evil creatures. And one more forbidden planet. Um, that, to me, was worth a four, mostly for the dilithium stuff. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I gave it such as a five. Okay. I guess one to one is not the only ratio of matter to antimatter because they start this uh, these engines at twenty five to one. So, but, but hold on a second, though. But there we is know only one ratio. There's only one. Uh, holographic wills. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That's like a pretty got to be a pretty sophisticated program. It knows who's there. Right. Right. Okay. She didn't start talking to somebody who used to serve on. She Leland T. Lynch. <laughs> I never liked you. Oh, he's not here? Oh, okay, I'll just move on. Assistant Chief Engineer Singh. <laughs> Your yoga lessons were always my favorite part of the day. Uh, yeah. I mean, we also get to see how... This is not so much world building as it is general characterization, but we get to see how these people deal with death and grief and move on with their stuff. It's... It's a little bit of world building in the same way that you continually think information about a character's family is world building. Yep. I stand behind it. Um, and speaking of characterization. Wait, wait I was going to say, I was going to dock at a point for that matter-antimatter um, <laughs> non-continuity. But then you but then you brought up a hollow will, which I, I didn't have. So, that's, so that goes right back in. You, they'll, they'll keep their four points for me. <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess maybe before we talk about characterization, we should just say uh, Ben did not enjoy this episode. So at this point, uh, where you have given it 16 points through the first three, and I have given it 17, uh, Ben had given it as many as eight Eight? points. Yeah. He gave it a three on take, which is the only real evil is giving it in the face of evil, which is what I had. Um, Three in execution. Uh... I don't know why he didn't like it that much, but music's so bad. Didn't like the name of the episode. The name is extremely hack. Yeah. Anyway, and then he gave it a two on world building. It's no worse than Space Seed, which either was named ahead of time, and then Spock had to say at the end, we'll see what crop the seed that you have planted, That would be such a terrible way to do it, because why would you want to call it Space Seed? That's right. Or they got to the end of like, what are we going to call this one? And someone said, Khan? And someone else said, nah. We don't just name it after the character. It's got to be more than that. We'll call Um, it uh, one of them them seeds Spock was talking about. One of them space seeds. Space seed. Yeah. Uh, Characterization. Sure. Uh, Is Is Worf the best officer on this ship? Yes. Well, okay. So in season one, 
when we've been looking at this critically, it's either him or Troy, right? Right. Okay. They are the two unsung heroes of this crew. Yeah. Also, Troy's not bad in this episode, no, by the she, way. No, she did She's, good again. I found her very strong in this one. Yeah. Um, the worst thing that happens in this episode is when no emotions data spits, I think you should be destroyed at Armas. He's, when he's trembling? Yes. With anger? Right. Dude, I, I think we just have to say, he's the worst part of every episode. I mean, basically. If Data's in it, they're going to lose characterization points, because he's a fucking disaster. Like, hey, let's pick this goofy, rubber-faced actor <laughs> to play the emotionless robot. Did he audition for somebody else? Is he one of the many people who, That's like, showed up and auditioned for He was auditioning to play Worf, and mm-hmm. Worf was auditioning to play Data, and they switched him. And they went, ah, I like this guy as more of a Worf. You can be Data. And then it's like, well, that was a bad choice, because this I mean, guy look, they legit sucks. made the right choice to switch uh, Denise Crosby and Marina Sirtis. Yeah, that would have been really weird. Or would it have been better if Marina Sirtis just played masha hernandez masha hernandez yeah supposed to be because he saw aliens and he was real into it or alien he was real into it uh and then when denise crosby wanted to leave we just wouldn't have had a ship counselor anymore i think that would have been okay yeah that would have but then what would they have done with Worf? you know you know what they could have just combined but yar and troy and made up and played it by marina sirtis that would have been fine too Uh, i even thought crusher was okay in this one yeah, like she's very mad about ideological things in every episode. Yeah, yeah. But like when it's just someone has died and we have to get on with our business, she's okay. I agree. Uh, I give it as much as a six for characterization. We are really we're like all basically in tune here. I gave it a six as well. Troy got to go to a conference. <laughs> yes, they felt the need. <laughs> I have a lot of problems with the way this episode starts. Um, the she, start is the worst part. She does psychological battle with this ink monster. Um, she hella offers herself up in exchange for Riker. She claims anybody, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Maybe she would have for anybody, but definitely for Bill. Definitely for sexy Bill. Um, I love season one Worf. We've talked about it a million times. He just performs, dude. He wants to go down and gut that dude, but he knows it's best to stay at tactical. And do his job, even... Why is Season 1 Worf so much better than later Worf? Anyway. Yeah, it's a... Uh, well, I have an uncharitable theory, which is maybe Michael Dorn started to get involved. <laughs> that could definitely be. We know he has ideas about Worf. And he's the one with Wesley, but really, he's the one who finds the energy pattern and executes the plan to rescue everybody. So Worf kind of crushes it. As always. Um, Yar is right on character with her, You were a little bit nice, so now I want to get raw. Uh, looks that she gives Worf in that first scene. Yeah, like, what was that? He's like, like you're good at karate, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm sex karate. I'll I didn't f- write Sparks Fly as a joke. There was undercurrent in that first scene for some reason. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking judo, judo fuck your boner, is what she was saying. Another yeah. Martial art. Anyway. Uh, she thinks she's doing Aikido, so don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> um, Riker is always a little bit frustrated by Data. Yes. He's, he's never not barking at him. Well, so let's think about this for a second. We have to deal with Data for one hour a week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no reason to believe Data isn't like that the rest of the time. And I get that, that he sucks. 
<laughs> but Riker expects him to know everything. Yeah, like, they true. got to the planet and met this oil, and he's just yelling at him, like, what is it? Is it alive? Well, is it alive? What is it, idiot? And Data's, like, trying to figure it out, and Riker just keeps yelling at him. I'm like, man, what a fucking asshole. And Riker, dude, Riker thinks he beat Armas. Yeah, he like does. He, like, he forced him to spit him up. He does say that he was like, I just kept fighting him. I- he just too, was too frustrated by the struggle and he just had to spit him out. This dude really mm, thinks he's the shit. Pretty sure that's not how it went down. No, pretty sure we saw what happened that they talked him into spitting him up. That up on the surface, they talked to him enough and he agreed to spit him up. But Riker's sure, dude. He's sure he just got the job done on, under the under the oil slick. Um, We already talked a little bit about the look of shock on Picard's face when Yara dies. Um, they're probably thinking we'll find a magic cure by the end of the episode that'll save her. Right. Um, and then how he handles the conference room scene and stuff like that. So Picard was, he was a good uh, daddy Picard in this episode. I agreed entirely. Even Crusher gets her willpower up to beat this guy down. Real professional effort by this crew. Yeah, she handles the scene where he wants her to pick who he's going to kill. Yeah. I, I think that, uh. Both the character and the actress did just fine in that scene. The reason this is a six is because Data... <laughs> Data insults Armus and trembled when he said he should be destroyed. The, our theory about Data really does hold up. More Listen, more. it's the same way that someone told Armus that he was <laughs> yeah. pure evil. Someone told Data that he didn't have emotions. Th- thank God it wasn't the other way around. Then you get to the funeral, and he's the most emotional character there. He's yeah, got and he has a real to have a little problem. chat with Picard afterward about his emotions. Everyone just walks away like, well, that was sucky. And Data's up there like, I'm thinking about me. And it's like, boy, someone made a real bad robot. It's the worst robot. Um, so yeah, that's why it's only a six and not a higher score. So, do you want to do you math? hit me with some quick hitters? Yeah. Picard, Riker. And the dialogue monster. It will be good to have Counselor Troy back, won't it, number one? It oh, certainly so will, sir. <laughs> That's my what? first note. Riker very horny to have Troy back. And Picard knows, and they're just talking about it. Yep. <sighs> the beginning of this episode has so many problems. Why... <clears throat> Why was it important to have the scene where they're on the phone with her when the shuttle goes down? Why couldn't that just have happened off screen and then they're like, oh, we were supposed to rendezvous with the shuttle, but it went down. I think that the purpose of that scene, and maybe it was put in afterwards, is to give uh, Worf and Yar a little business at the beginning. Couldn't they just had that business and then they gone, oh, we're at the rendezvous point, but she's not there. Oh, no, it looks like her yeah, shuttle they, went down. They I, for sure could have. Uh, her, the ion trails lead to the Vagra 2. Because nothing happens in that scene that is important for any of the rest of the episode. It's just weird, senseless drama. It is very true. Like the fact that the impulse engines were offline and come back and have to be, or the yeah. warp engines have to be brought back online, so that they can't uh, rescue the shuttle. But like, who cares? But yes, but then like, it doesn't come up again later. Yeah, they're not having. There's no B plot where the ship's having trouble keeping orbit or anything like that, right? It's actually, I don't think there was a B plot. There's really no B plot. I think this is one of the few. <laughs> I mean, the B plot is what's going on with Troy in the shuttle. Yeah, that's one of those super related B plots. Right. Um, 
<laughs> and then they said, oh shit, this episode has everything after it had the dialogue monster. Leland T. Lynch. <laughs> He's, we've, we've mentioned him many times. We saw Chief Engineer Logan a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> now we've got Lieutenant Commander Leland T. Lynch. He's very fond of his own name and will not shorten it. He wants, he wants you to know who he is. Actually, um, I was like pretty... like his fucking first day on the job. I was surprisingly kind of impressed by him, though. He, like, does a good job. He, yeah, he does. He he balances safety with the emergency need that they have, and doesn't, like, argue with the main characters, like a lot of the fucking tertiary characters sometimes do, about what the right procedures are. He's just like, alright, well, I'll see what I can do to hurry. And But he's still reasonable. Like, he's like, warp 8! And he's like, uh, I said, like... I can get you warp speed. I didn't say I could get you fucking infinite warp speed, dude. But then he still yep. does it. Anyway, I was impressed by him. Um, all the dramatic music and the crane shot as you go into the credits. Fascinating. Um, that same hell planet. By the way, that was in Haven as well on the holodeck. Oh, yeah, okay. On the holodeck. Uh, fucking Riker not being helpful at all with his description of what's going on down there as trouble. Yep. I hate it. I hate it every time. They do it every time and I hate it every time. Come on. This is the, this is, we gave, we gave credit to Jake for not doing that. uh, No. Two DS9s ago. No, we questioned why he had grown up among Starfleet because he did do that. Oh, okay. That's right. Like he had been been around Starfleet too much because he goes, dad, I really think you should come down here. It was uh, it was the crewman, the lady crewman in the Enterprise episode about the jisms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. who was just des- just describing what was happening rather than telling Archer he had to come and see it for himself. <laughs> that is helpful. Um, yeah, how about some useful feedback, Riker? Besides just trouble, um, Riker and Data go straight to the phaser after Yar gets tossed. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's feeding on the phaser energy. It seems to feed on our phaser energy, I don't says, s- says Data the Scientist. I don't see any evidence of that, but okay, <laughs> if you say so. He didn't say, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> like, just nothing happened. Yeah. How was that feeding? He did seem pretty invulnerable, but I'm not sure he was feeding on it. Uh, I also had a question about the medical procedures. Why beam them to the transporter room and not directly to sickbay? Yep. Um, I love watching Riker try to figure out the medical charts. <laughs> he's like, oh, you did it! Because, like, one little bar went up. Yep. And she's like, yeah, no, I I, did, I didn't do it. Could they have picked a better voice actor for Armus? Yes, they I, could. Yes, they could have. Yeah, that's correct. They could have done that. Um, Armus straight pulls a psych on Crusher. She's like, can I get to the shuttle? Yeah, I need, to, I need <laughs> to rescue our I changed crewman. my mind. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, go on. <laughs> no, you cannot. Uh, again, I like the realism of Crusher just for a moment going, how? And then realizing that her communicator is going to work now. Yes. That was kind of like Riker last week in the transporter room. Like, so what we need you to do, you know what? Never mind. We're just going to beam everything up. <laughs> Never fuck this. <laughs> she, yeah, because they haven't been able to communicate inside the shuttle. And then he's like, well, you can talk to her now. And she goes, how? Uh, oh, I gotcha. What? Why does Data? Why does Data tell Jordy that his visor is half a meter to the right when it is in front of Jordy and slightly to his left? Yeah, it's a very good question. <laughs> it's not. 
it's not half a meter to anybody's right, as far as I can tell. But I guess in the in? script, it was half a meter to his right. Yeah, in universe, is he just joining in with Armus? He just thinks it's going to be a pretty funny prank. That's good. He's not going to be able to find it. Not that, not that left, you idiot. Um, the story of Armus again, less science fiction and more myth. He even calls the people who left him titans. Yeah, he does. Uh, who dropped something in Armus when Riker gets pulled in? Uh, it's Jordy and it's his phaser. Yeah, there's a real late thud into his muddy old body. So it's Jordy's phaser, okay. Yep. And it's continuity error, because it's back in his uh, belt and not covered in oil <laughs> when we see them again. I was so happy when when I knew Picard was going to beam down. I was so excited to see him pull Jedi mind tricks on this fucker. Oh yeah, for sure. He was ready to get down there and do it. Um, A flick of my power is not an expression, Armus. No, well, he, you know, English is not his native language. Okay. Uh, then Picard pulls one final psych on Armus. I'm not taking you anywhere. Just fuck, just fucks him up. Uh, of course, all of the stuff that Yar says about Jordy had to be about seeing and looking. Yes, she, uh, she was <laughs> proud of that language. She overheard, uh, Riker <laughs> leaving the conference room in, uh, 11001001. Yep. Uh, Making a crack about a blind man teaching an android how to paint. And she thought that went over real well because she couldn't and see their reactions. Like, oh, yeah. That's a line of humor I could use. Uh, he is blind. And Picard straight gives her an au revoir. Goes, yeah, uh, he does. He goes French when it matters. But he does also say Tasha. Exactly like an English person. Also exactly like uh, Shatner might do. That's right. What's she called? Tasha. Tasha. Uh, Who was your MVP? Troy. Okay. She keeps the dude occupied in the shuttle, and her dressings down do lead to Enterprise discovering how to save the day. Though she does, like you said, a couple of times push him a little far and he gets mad. Um, Runner-up Picard for finishing this dude off, and Worf for being a boss, but uh, MVP Troy. Alright. Um, I had some thoughts that you... I mean, you got most of them. Hmm. But I had some. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the uh, the shooting model of the Enterprise with the nacelles dark before. Ah, okay. So I kind of like that. Like, when the warp engines are off in the beginning, it's dark. Them, them scoops or whatever, they ain't doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Uh, they get down there, and Picard takes a wild-ass guess that the proximity of the shuttle to Armus isn't a coincidence. How does he know the planet isn't covered with Armuses at this point? <laughs> Boy, that would have been real bad luck. If, like, I don't know that this didn't land near one of the millions of Armises. It's like four more Armises. This, Armises is, this is really before anyone knows anything about Armises' power. It's mm -hmm. just an oil slick. That's a good good, good point. I uh, I don't think I'd ever noticed the, that Troy has like a subtle wound on her face for the whole episode. That means some makeup artist was real proud of that, and because of the shittiness of television at the time, no one ever noticed. I just never <laughs> saw it. It's like, it's on her cheek... Like, right as it curves around her jaw a little bit on the left side, and I just had never seen it. Hmm. Um, when everyone is uh, talking over each other about Yar's death in the conference room, mm -hmm. Jordy says she only wanted to get to Troy and Lieutenant Prieto. Hey, Doug, you weren't there. <laughs> it's true. You he were had, on the ship. He hadn't come I down yet. I went back yet. and watched it again. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Did Jordy say that? That's true. He well, he was not down there yet. He's just recounting the events as he heard them, and he's tr he's f trying to fit in. And everyone's I so mean, outraged, and he's like, "Yeah, I know." Picard had the comms open and shit, but like, he 
was not down there, but he definitely wanted to, to uh, chime in. No one's as mad as I am, though. So they start to look at uh, Armis's energy, and Picard says, chart it, as he's looking at a line graph of the energy over time. <laughs> he walked away and Worf went, I just did. Yeah, I mean, it's he, he was looking at a chart. <laughs> what does he think this... Do I have to make a new chart? Because I spent a lot of time on this one. Where do you think um, Riker is when Armis is being a rubber shuttle gasket? <clears throat> because he does get real flat, is what you're saying. I mean, he just like just becomes a skin over the shuttle. Where's Riker? Because mm. he's in there at that at that point. That's a good question. Troy can feel him and everything, so he's clearly there. Um, speaking of phaser continuity errors, Data seems to have or not have a phaser in different scenes, and I can't tell the logic. I don't know what he's doing with his phaser, because for the middle part of the episode, he does not have a phaser, and I don't know where it went, but then he has it at the end when he needs to point his arm is at it, his own head and everything. Is it Data's gear that Armus just sucks out of his belt at one point? Uh, he flips something way up into the air. I thought it was a tricorder or something. I can't imagine Data walked over and got it, though. <laughs> I don't know. Hey Worf, mm-hmm. what is um, what is two point six point two oh five? I also had that question. <laughs> sorry, How can that's... an energy level be two point six point two oh five? What does that mean? That's too, that's too many decimal points. <laughs> like, hey, that's not numbers. <laughs> is it an IP address? <laughs> that's where its IP is. <laughs> All right, we can know the IP address. <laughs> coming from northern India, Armus is probably a Sikh. <laughs> Here's my uh, painting of that... him in a turban. Oh, dude, can you please Photoshop a picture of Armus in a turban? That would be fantastic if you could do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I probably can do that. Okay, thank you. Uh, I thought that uh, all of the shots of the Enterprise orbiting Vagra 2 are super well lit. Mm. Like, I don't know why. I've You never notice them because they're all the same, but in this one they're good for some reason. <laughs> they, they lucked out. Uh, the, uh, color grading on the funeral scene is really weird and makes, uh, Beverly's uniform look green. I noticed that as well, yes. Like, what was going on there, but I think there was an overhead light that was green for some reason. Like, I don't know if that was someone was like, well, they're supposed to be outside. Grass so, is green. Let's make it, put a green light over them? I don't know. Uh, I think Tasha does a much, much better job in her will of addressing everyone individually than when Riker tried to give them all gifts in Q. Hide and Q. Well, we all saw he struck out pretty hard. He did a real bad job. <laughs> he wasn't good at it. And and by the way, Picard was super satisfied. I didn't I didn't go back and look at it to to verify this, but I thought that Picard might have given a slight nod when she said he had the soul of a poet. Like, oh, you noticed. Mm. That's I do. true about me. That is me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I just wanted to point out that Troy spent most of the episode acting credibly against nothing. I know. I said not to, even a tennis ball on a stick. I said to Marjan at one point because we watched this one in the TOS together, and I said at one point, "This is why I couldn't be an actor." She's in there weeping, and she's acting against a wall. Yeah, like, she's just looking at just nothing, like all angry and sad and everything. And I would just be like, "I'm sorry, I'm." Um, and there's a guy off screen, and she's not hearing the audio that we hear. It's like. Your crewmates left you here. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm almost okay. Okay. They won't come back. You're wrong. You're wrong. Oh, let me. I can do it again. Let me do it. I can do it better. 
I can do it. I can do it better. Your crewmates left you here. You're right. Killed one. You know what? I, I just can, give me ten minutes. I gotta. <laughs> Let me walk around a little bit. I just I've been in this shuttle for like three hours. Alright, can we just No, you know what? Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Uh so I gave her best actor. I gave worst actor to uh Lieutenant Commander Leland T. Lynch. Ah, poor guy. It's like what are you gonna do? Leland I mean, it should T. Be Data. Lynch here, Captain. I'm gonna make it I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna give it to Data. He's Again, I don't know what to do. Our theory holds perfectly. But in real life, what were they doing? Yeah. All right, we'll have seven more they years fuck, to figure they it out. They fucked the dog on this one, but we're going to have a long time to talk about it. Matthew, I gave this episode 23 points. It's pretty good. You gave this episode 22 points. Oh, dang. That is a total of 45 points, so Space Seed does not win the week. Good. Because that was it is, problem. So far, it is Skin of Evil, an episode that I never thought would be the best episode <laughs> of a week. Yeah. But, of anything. Um, but, you know, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more this time around. Again. And I'm, no more Tashiar. Something about watching it with a critical eye is making us rethink some of, certainly some of the characters. Yep. So. I had a similar thing about uh, coming of age. Like, I, I remember not thinking that was really anything. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought of that one for as, us. oh, this is the psych test episode or whatever, but... But yeah, that's another real good wharf scene. So, yeah, uh, we watched three other episodes this week, including the siege. Finishing up the uh, three episode arc here. Uh, now that. The Bajorans are a, a bunch of white supremacists or whatever they're supposed to be. Uh, Starfleet is leaving the station, except, guess what? Commando time! Some of them are going to stick around and have a guerrilla war against Bajor for reasons that are... Ne- never explained. Yeah, it's uh, it's unclear. So, Cisco, uh, Bashir, O'Brien, and uh, unfortunately Quark, uh, and Lee Nollis, and Odo? Uh, they and, and Odo, sort of. They stick around on the station and, uh, you know, sabotage systems and fuck around with these uh, these Bajoran dudes who have a real... Uh, they got, like, one of them Kylo Ren and his buddy rivalries. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen the Star Wars, where one of them is, like, constantly trying to outdo the other one in front of their boss. Frank Langella's their boss in this case. I don't ever know. I didn't know what was going on with those two guys. Anyway, so they're fighting these Bajoran dudes on the station. Meanwhile, they've sent Kira to uh, deliver the news that Odo found last week about how the Cardassians are really behind all this because they're giving weapons to the 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 Circle, the bad guy Bajorans, through uh, a third party alien group. Um, so she's got to go to this moon base and steal a fighter so she can get down to Bajor, and then she has a a pew 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 phaser fight in space and then in the atmosphere or whatever and she eventually she she crashes but she makes it and she delivers the news to the Bajoran government about these uh <clears throat> these cardies and then uh then then the bad guys they decide to to call off their their stupid their stupid war cuz of the cuz they're afraid of the cardies still and Frank Langella, I assume, goes to jail? 
I don't know. Yeah, it's um, sort of up in the air. But then anyway, uh, DS9 returns to Starfleet uh, control, but Lee Nollis dies in the end because he, he gets in front of a phaser blast. That's aimed at Cisco. So that was kind of a lot of different plot points, but that's what happened. That's the episode. What, what did you think this was about? So this one was not as clear as some of the others, mm. and I think it's because they had to tie up so much shit. Right. Uh, a reluctant hero is a hero all the same. All right. Like, in other words, it, it matters what you do in the end, not whether you have doubts about it before you do it. Yeah, I wonder even if they're saying that it's, he's more heroic because he never wanted this role. Yeah, maybe. And so he just, but he still, all the same, did all of these various things he didn't. He yeah. didn't really want to do. Uh, it's only <laughs> worth like three points, though, for me. Okay. If I felt, if maybe if I felt that a that your that the the proposed take that you gave was definitely what they were going for, it might be worth more because it'd be more of a take. Yeah. Yeah, like it's easy if you're if that's just what you're down with, right? Like if this right. was, if this was the take, if it was like oh, uh, if you're just down for it. That's different than if you're just some dude who wants to live a quiet life but keeps getting thrust into it or whatever. But yeah, I right. Yeah. Uh, I had a similar take. I had um, serving your people can take on many forms. So service takes on many forms. You don't have to blast dudes all the time or whatever. And um, okay, I'll just jump into execution because that's part of it. Um, that, that was a five for me because it's kind of a truism, but it's it's fine. I've, I've given a lot of fives and takes. Um, so Lee Nollis served his people during o the occupation as a soldier. Um, he served them as a symbol during the occupation and during his years in captivity. When rescued, he served as a liaison, and he served as an inspirational figure, and fought for Bajor again during the siege on DS9, and completed his little personal arc by serving even in death. He didn't want to do any of those things, but he was always convinced to act in Bajor's best interest. So, it's not like a high sci-fi concept arc. It's just more about patriotism and sacrifice. But, um... But I thought it was... I thought they did a good job with Lee Nollis in this three-episode arc. Um... These bad guys, though? These are mustache twirlers. Oh, no kidding. Right, like... Jaro and Kai Win? Yeah, yeah, so those two, and then the third guy, the little Bajoran fucker on the station? Oh, Colonel... Colonel the brother from Wings? Colonel from Wings, I think is his name. Like, I think it's Colonel Day, but like, the problem with that is that doesn't sound like a Bajoran name to me, so make it Colonel Wren. Let's call him Colonel Wren. <laughs> that's right. They're, like, bad for the sake of being bad. It's never really explained, aside from, okay, so for Frank Langella, it's because he wants power, so he does all this right. shit. But what's up with this other guy? And... It's never explained how Bajor is turned against the Federation so quickly and completely. Like, yeah, this was my problem last week, right? Like, I wanted to see something. Show me something that this guy can be using when he talks about the Federation. At one point, we are told that Bajor will will treat Starfleet as their blood enemy. But it's like, well, they've been hanging out for, together for a long time, and... Cardassians hate the Federation, so even if they didn't really like the Federation, it's kind of an enemy of my enemy kind of deal. Yeah, like how I did guess this they turn? heard that Ensign Roho didn't get to wear her earring. But she did by the end of the episode! Yeah. I'm just saying, like, we never see much f 
of why, how, why and how this happens. And then we never get to see very much at all, like you pointed out before as well, from the Cardassian point of view. After a little teaser performance from Dukat in episode one oh, of the arc. Oh, yeah. What happened there? Give me more. So, you know, I think they were trying to put too much in. It could have been better. They could have included some, some stuff that would have explained it a little a little bit better. But overall, I think this three-episode arc has definitely been the strongest piece of DS9 that we've seen so far. I gave it a six on execution. Uh, I don't disagree that this has been the strongest uh, that we've seen from, from DS9 so far. Um, this is the... Uh, by the way, I give it a five okay. uh, in execution. And I, I'm not going to talk much about my premise because I it was a pieced-together premise. So, like... right. The evidence is going to be there because I made it up. <laughs> right, yep. Because you use the evidence to find the tape. Yeah. <clears throat> um, here's some things that I liked. Uh, aspects of Kira's prophecy from the last episode mm. uh, come true in this one, and no one talks about it. They yeah, trust they us to remember the prophecy. Right, they don't make a big old deal about it. Like, but... So that's why that happened. When Dax shows up dressed as a Vedic, mm. Kira's not like, I had, a, I had a prophecy just like this. Yeah, that's true. They probably filmed uh, that scene, by the way. It probably just didn't make yeah, it. Yeah, it probably just didn't make it. <laughs> um, surprisingly, for a three-part arc, I thought the actual battle for the station moved too quickly. Mm. Like, they should have started the siege in the middle of episode two. Yeah. Uh... I didn't think Quark was useful at all in this episode. And I, like, it is not he's not funny in it. Nope. He doesn't do anything during the actual fight. It's kind of like they went, well, he's in the main credits. He's a main character. So I think that's exactly something. what it was. They're like, well, we can't put Quark on the fucking runabout. Yeah. So, um, you know, five. Right. I know he's the best actor on the show, but not every episode has to have Quark in it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what do you do uh, uh, for world building? Or no, actually, let's check in with Ben. Let's check in with Ben. Right. Uh, he had a four on the take. He had, but he had about five takes. He had about five possible takes. <laughs> okay, but he doesn't so like any the, of them. That four is each take worth point eight points, or <laughs> he didn't like. No, it's worth point eight, point six, point two oh five points. Is what it's worth. Okay. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about those other decimal points. <laughs> right. Yeah, so he had a few different takes. Um, for execution, he also gave it a four. He said the, the atmosphere fight and crash sequence was so bad. So, so bad. It's true, it did look kind of cheesy at points. Uh, it was definitely a, a bottle dog fight. Like, <laughs> yeah. if that makes any sense. Uh, let's see. And he, and he asked why they all had to change into civilian clothes. Because they're spies now. We'll talk about it. Because they did a mutiny at the beginning of the episode. Oh, he has that. He says, doesn't that now make them spies? And I'm like, this is my problem with a lot of this episode. But, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, world building. Let's just jump in. Okay. Uh, there's not much. Okay. Sub-impulse raiders. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. Not even impulse, dog. Sub-impulse. Yeah, I get it, but impulse is not a speed. I'm just saying. It's a technology. Sub Whatever. that. Combat rations. Anesthesine gas. That is, that's a gas, like a neural gas, sort of. The Chamber of Ministers. Yeah. Three points. Okay. Well, you missed some stuff, and you're going to really kick yourself when you hear it's all It's going to be about spiders, and you're just going to name. <laughs> okay. Well, here's what I came up with first. Lunar 5 base. Okay. 
that really bothered me because I know that Lunar 5 was the name of the base where Roga Danar was held prisoner. That's very bad. Also, isn't the fifth moon of Bajor the moon where that where Kirk Douglas was living? Oh, I don't remember if that was the fifth one. Maybe it was. But I went, Lunar 5, Lunar 5, and I went, fuck, dude, that's Roga Danar's joint! Yep. Um, that's where the Bajorans keep their shit, dog. <laughs> this complicated evacuation plan had uh, Starfleets going to one place and the non-alliance going to another, so that's interesting. Yeah, dog, look, no single planet could take three runabouts worth of people. That's right. Uh, the engineers, uh, these Bajoran engineers, were always building the ships too small because they weren't thinking. Yeah, that's not good. That's, that's not, they're not engineers then. That doesn't seem like the right, that doesn't seem like there a right thing. There couldn't possibly have been aerodynamic or other reasons why these ships had to be low in height. Like, is that, is that why the cockpit of an F-16 is a little cramped? Because right. the engineers are dumb? You know nerds! It's like, okay, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, all the related uh, sub-impulse fighter stuff. Those uh, um, ration bars or whatever, combat rations? Time yeah. release nutrients for three days. Yep, that's impossible. We'll that's, talk about that later. That sounds like they're just going to sit in a lump in your gut for seventy-two hours. Oh, it kind of does. It, they're just going to sl- very slowly dissolve. Aiming a phaser. This, by the way, this has to do with every Star Trek episode. Seems really easy. You can just really clearly see what you're shooting and and where, because you've got <laughs> a nice bright laser the whole time. Yep, so it's probably pretty easy to shoot people with phasers. What uh, has never been clear to me is how. Sometimes the phaser doesn't go in a straight line out of the barrel. I mean, it goes in a straight line. It just goes, like, on a weird diagonal. No, it's because the emitters have thrust vectoring. Well, I mean, they definitely <laughs> they definitely can do those uh, advanced maneuvers. They can do a mongoose real good. <laughs> I've noticed that, too. They can do what's-his-name's Cobra. Pugachev? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Uh, they can do that Cobra real good, but, like, uh, how do you tell it to do that? Also... It's like, it's like it knows where you're looking. Nobody ever... Whenever somebody shoots a phaser and misses, they don't just keep the phaser going and guide it. Yeah, seems like it'd be real easy to just drag it over. The only time we ever saw that was, was in Arsenal of Arsenal Freedom. Freedom. Yeah, of course. But there was nothing in the background, just sky. And I yep. think it's because they don't want to have to burn up the background Yeah, of what the, they have in the shot. But I just, I was just thinking a lot about phaser fights. It'd be real easy to just direct it. Like, oh, I'm a little left, I'll just yep. turn... Just, Flick my wrist until I kill the guy. Kira pushes. Or just wave that bitch around. Yeah, just yeah, shoot everyone. Just be crazy, swinging in a big figure eight. Be, have we already seen, or will we eventually seen the wide beam phaser shot to stun everyone on a bridge or something? I don't think we've seen that yet, but okay. we definitely. It's like you wouldn't really need to do that. You could just wave it around. Yeah, just sweep. You'll get everybody. Um, Kira at one point pushes one button and the plasma tank ejects. Yep. That seems dangerous. Oh, no, it gets right below the button that says Jettison Pod. Dude, those engineers are never thinking, I think is why. They just, they didn't think that you should need to push more than one button to eject the plasma tank. Uh, all that was worth four, so you really look like a sucker now. Yeah, you showed me. You missed a lot of stuff. You showed me good. Uh, what was characterization worth to you? What happened in this episode, Well, character-wise? Quark's heroic chapter is already over. Remember, yeah. in episode two, he's, like, deputized, and he's helping That's out, right. and has witty lines on the bridge and everything. Uh, that was quick. Because, like he said, he's nothing in this. Um, Jake moves a lot and can't keep his friends. But, yeah. God damn, Jake and Nog was tiresome long ago. That scene was not necessary at all. They really think people are going to care that they have to be separated temporarily. 
Yes, as if we believed that this that they the would. This is it for Deep Space Nine. We're going to go now. Probably Cisco's going to escape, and we're going to go to this planet where Jake is, and we're just never going to see Nog again. <laughs> Empress Keiko playing the same angry wife she's been playing since DS Nine started. Well, O'Brien does keep making these calls that are <sighs> like I'm going to do a commando war on the Cardis. I mean, I on have the some. Bajorans. I mean, I have some sympathy for her. Like when he takes too long to refuse <laughs> to give his baby to Rumpelstiltskin. He's, he just doesn't want to be rash, you know, in case yeah. there's a way to work out the deal. Uh, O'Brien still hates Cardis, he makes that clear. We can't just hand the station to the Cardis! Um, Cisco volunteers Dax to go maybe get stranded on Lunar 5. That's true. Because he's like, to Kira, he's like, well, what if you just get stranded there? And she's like, well, I guess I'll be stranded. And he's like, Dax, go with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, then he puts his hands all over the bartender, snatches him up. Yeah. Uh, Quark, I mean. Um, then he gives permission to use deadly force, if necessary, to his commandos. Yeah, he tells him to, you know, try, try not, not to, to kill him, but you're allowed if you have to. Like, this fucker is suddenly too in. Yeah. Like, he was tuned out in season one, but now I think maybe he's too close. Well, he doesn't care about diplomacy, but if he can sneak around the station and shoot phasers, he's cool. Uh, Lee Nollis, not eloquent, but he's willing to help Sisko calm down the passengers fleeing the station. Because, again, he's just a solid dude. Uh, he's convinced one, one or two more damn times... To pretend he's the savior and save Cisco's bacon, and finally jumps in front of a phaser blast for him. This guy really loved Cisco. And this is one of those phaser blasts that kills a person. It's hard to tell which ones will do that. Unlike the one that hit Bashir last episode, and just, where he's totally fine this episode. He just kind of slumped over for a minute. Yeah. Um, Rom sold out Quark to get some sexy double girl action. Yeah, I consider this uh, Rom's second murder attempt. <laughs> That's fair enough. They're trying to give Dax personality now. Yes. But thank it God. It hasn't worked so far. I'm just saying, thank God. Cause no, no. They need to do something. Yeah. I, she's got, you know, she's got jokes about her former host, Tobin. And, you know, she shows emotions when, he sees, when she sees that giant spider on the moon. And she, suddenly she's sassy Dax. Jokes about her prosthetic nose and all that shit. So, you know, they're... They're making an effort, finally, after a full season of wooden decks. Uh, so, are Frank Langella and Wynn, like, knocking old boots? They never... I mean, he, he puts his hands on her a bunch. Yeah, I don't know if that's a Langella She thing. never seems into it, is, is a, the thing. Is that a Langella thing? It might be a Langella thing. What are you thinking of? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like... What if that wasn't even written in? What if he's just oh, like that? Yeah, he's Shatner style. Yeah, because it doesn't really go anywhere, but there's a lot of... It seems intimate. Um, but it's probably over now that Wynn chose her own public standing over this old bastard. Yep. As soon as Kira shows up with the evidence, she's like, What? This guy, this old bastard's all fucking... That. Let's just put this guy in jail. Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um... Bashir handles himself well, and I think it's because he enjoys the adventure. Okay. Don't you get that feeling? 
Um, well, here's what I wrote. This episode suddenly requires that Bashir be competent, so he is. Yeah, thank you. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that was a, a more cynical take, but yes, that's correct. Well, um, it's kind of, I mean, he's really been hanging back in the shadows the last ten episodes. But every time we've seen him, he's still a bumbler. Yeah, that's true. Even when he was trying to say goodbye to Kira, he was bumbling. But but give him the lead on a commando team, and all of a sudden he's somebody? Yeah, he's like secret agent Bashir, which we'll never have to see, so that's good. That's right, we'll never have to see him play a thin James Bond parody. He also fucking insults Quark's mom, real, just harsh, for no reason. He does, he does a your mother. It's very strange. Which Quark objects to. Mm. Although his mother probably is his property, so it's not... <laughs> That's true. And uh, we'll see her later. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, I bet, I bet we won't. I bet we won't. No, we'll probably never I meet bet Quark's we won't mom. Why would we ever meet Quark's mom? Doesn't make any sense that we would do that. Kira is all over this episode, but I have no real character notes. Um, Yeah, she did things in this episode. She didn't feel things. Yeah. Or uh, contemplate things. I had it as a six. I'm downgrading to a five. And that's mostly Lee Nolis is a solid dude. <laughs> the positive points are mostly because the Nolson. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what keeps it as yeah. a five, I think. Uh, and I only had it as a four. Okay. Um, Kai Wynn is as shrewd as she is repugnant. Yeah, she comes out looking like the uh, most formidable of the baddies. Yes. Because she has that self-preservation instinct. It's a good setup for a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we're supposed to assume that Cisco is the tactician behind all of this. Okay. Right? Yeah, I think Everyone acts like that's the case. He's field general. But that that is not an aspect of his character or ability that we have seen foreshadowed at all. Even when he was taken over by that other guy, he just made a clock. <laughs> but come on, you, he's pretty proud of that clock now. That was a good clock. I'm not saying it's not a good clock. Yeah, I think uh, maybe it's because he was so sleepy in season one. We didn't get to see much. That's probably what it was. Do you know what it probably is? He probably has sleep apnea. Oh, and now he's, like, getting some better treatment? He's not that heavy a guy, but, like, it can happen even if you're not a heavy guy. He might just have naturally weak muscle tone in his throat. He probably finally, like, Bashir probably put him on CPAP in between, uh, you know, right before the end of season one. And now he's getting good sleep at night, and he's not tired all the time during the day. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay, this is a good theory. This is Just put this in the list of our theories. He probably had sleep apnea. Um. Uh, and again, O'Brien and Keiko have uh, continued to have marriage trouble. Mm-hmm. It is a four for me on characterization. Okay. I, I didn't understand why Bashir was suddenly good at stuff, and I again I didn't need Quark in this episode. I, I, at least not if this is what they were going to give him. I agree entirely. Um. Uh, I have a, some a quicker hitters. First, Ben. Uh, just checking. All oh, right. With Ben, do we, we already say he gave a four and a four on the front end? He gave a four for world building. Uh, giant spiders on the moon is what he brought up, and uh, characterization he gave a six. For some reason. So there you go. I think he liked Rom. Rom. He liked Rom's little turn. I didn't. I didn't mention Rom because he was only the beginning of the episode. But uh, yeah, it was nice to see him trick Quark. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so uh, these assault vessels are going to take five hours to get to the station from Bajor. This is our. This is a number one question. How, where no, is Bajor? 
Remember that a runabout takes two hours. Uh huh. What is space? What is space and how far is Bayshore and what's happening? Like, I get it. They moved it to a different part of the solar system. Uh huh. It's not super close to Bajor anymore. I guess not. But how good are these assault vessels if it's going to take them five hours? You know, I guess my problem with all of this, with all of the stuff that happened, is that in the pilot, they put these, they've got these real janky thrusters on the station. Yes. And it doesn't seem like they're moving very fast. I think they complain about how slow they're moving. Yeah, I mean, I they generate a subspace field to make it go faster. I don't remember yes. how long they they take to get to their position, but I don't remember it being a couple hours. They get there fast enough to um, stop the Cardassians, right? Yeah. So, why does it take two hours in a runabout? And then, yeah, why does it take five hours in these ships? Also remember that runabouts are warp-capable. Yeah. So it should take... Instantaneous. Like, (laughs) just a couple of seconds. Yeah, I know. This was our problem in that one of the dumb episodes. That was at the Dalrock. Also remember that in... uh, Well, okay, we haven't seen it yet, so it doesn't count. Even impulse speed is very fast. Yeah. They don't talk about it a lot, but uh, there is direct evidence for it in the episode Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Yeah, they zip through the solar system. They definitely drop out of warp at Jupiter. Yeah. And then are at Earth pretty quick. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's hella far. That's extremely far. Jupiter's yes. very, very far away. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, the um, Bajor system is a mystery, for sure. How did Nog learn the phrase coup d'etat without hearing it said? He's only ever seen it written, just like, um, Diabetes or whatever. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh,. Dax asks, how how did Bajor win a war in these things? Did mm. Bajor win a war? Yeah. Again, what happened with the Cardassians? Why did they leave the first time? Because it doesn't seem like they needed to. <laughs> it seems like they could have just stuck around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it is not physically possible for that York Peppermint Patty to sustain a human in combat for three days. Um, well, technology, dude. Future tech. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But, I mean, that thing could not... If it was pure butter, it would be like a thousand calories. If it was 100% pure fat, it could be maybe 2,000. Right. So, what it, What are we doing? <laughs> right. Three days. Hey, one of those guys dressed like G.E. Smith for the firefight. <laughs> what would you dress as? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Think, of it, think about it. It was 1993 or whatever. I definitely would wear a sateen shirt. <laughs> With a stand collar buttoned all the way up and uh, pleated, blousy, high-waisted slacks and uh, gray dress shoes, though. G. Smith and the Saturday Night Live Band! It was 1993, dog. That was, like, all the rage. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Dax dresses Vedic, just like in the prophecy. I gave best actor to General Somebody. Mm, the good general. I'm not sure we learned his name. And I gave the worst actor to Dax. Sorry, Dax. <laughs> you, don't, you don't buy sassy Dax? I did not Is care sexy for Dax? I did not care for her, con- oh, seat of the pants technology. Yeah. Ugh. So sexy Dax is still the winning Dax? Sex Dax is still Sex the best Dax. Dax. <laughs> Sex Dax is the best Dax. So far. Prove me wrong, DS9. Uh, Alright, I got some. I'm sure you do. Is a Vedic's hat meant to emulate the bridge of a Bajoran nose? 
That is a fair question, and that's a better guess than Sydney Opera House, which has been my guess. Because <laughs> they got like three bumps, those hats. They're that's bumpy. A good point. They do kind of look like a Bajoran's nose. At one point in the beginning, when Cisco's giving his motivational speech on the uh, in ops, there's um, but actually there are a number of black crewmen. But one of them he talks to Ensign Kelly. Talks about how his daughter was working with a Bajoran girl on a science project. Yep, I that was by the way. He could only come up with two two examples of people who uh, of reasons people might want to stay and help the Bajorans. Oh. One, someone was engaged. Yep. Two. Your daughter did a science project with the Bajoran. <laughs> That's what matters in life. Uh, the reason is obvious, dude. As they were pointed, they pointed out in the end of last season, the, the, the two crews don't hang out. Yeah, the Bajorans think the Starfleet people are uh, pretentious and and jerks. Um, but anyway, I would have done anything to replace Ensign Kelly with Jordan Peele. I really wanted Jordan Peele to be in that scene as that guy. Oh, that would have been great. My next note is I'd do anything to replace Bashir with Michael Sarah. <laughs> Just one scene. Just for one scene can Bashir be Michael Sarah. Yeah, that would make sense. That'd be great. Uh, the Bajoran assault forces have been told that the Federation is their blood enemy, as I already talked about. What if we were just told tomorrow that Canada was our blood enemy? Like, would we yeah, believe I that? Think, I don't think I would buy it. I don't know if I'd be like, yeah, man, they said it, so fuck Canada. Yeah, I did. I had heard that about Canada previously, so... I am in, yes. Let's uh, murder the can the Canadians. Um, yeah, it's the guy from Wings. The guy from Wings is on the show. Um, let's see. Hey, guys, ever hear a radio silence? No, they have not. Like, no one has. Even if you think they can't, probably can't hear you, what good is all the banter over the radio? It's not any good. It seems like you're not paying attention to what's happening around you. Probably not banter so much. Uh, they are running a commando operation and declaring uh, that these guys they're capturing, they're, they're declaring them prisoners of war. Yeah. Are they what asking war? to be executed? That's a very good question. Because they'll definitely be executed when they're captured. They're out of uniform, behind enemy lines, sabotaging and capturing dudes and declaring them prisoners of war. I'm just saying. It's uh, spies. Death is but death. And Cisco doesn't fear it. Yeah, that's a good point. He is the Zhang, Zhang Liao of this universe, for sure. Um, why not let the politicians work it out, though? Like, what's what's the rationale for fighting this commando battle? It's very unclear to me. Is it because that guy's daughter did that science project? It's as if the assumption is, as soon as they have control of Deep Space Nine, the Cardassians are going to be there. Yeah, but, I mean, okay, let's... Let's let's back this up. Would Starfleet ever have said then we should probably shoot Bajorans? We should probably no. shoot Bajorans to stop Cardassians from coming back. They would never have said that. No, but don't worry about it. Cisco had direct orders to evacuate. It's just insane. Like we don't have to speculate. We know what Starfleet wanted done here. Cuz they talked to him last episode. That's right, because he checked in. Which was his mistake, he and it's a mistake that Picard does not make. That's right, that's why. And Kirk particularly doesn't make. That's why the Binars didn't do it, and that's why Picard and Riker weren't mad at the Binars. Because they right. wouldn't do it either. They were like, ah, these guys know. <laughs> these guys get it. These guys know it's better to ask ask for forgiveness than permission. Uh, Let's see. <clears throat> I'm sorry, those guys walked into the holodeck, and they didn't think that it might be a hollow ruse? They got caught by the unification trap, dog. Like, really? There's only one thing being powered in the station. It's the holodeck. They must just be sitting in it. 
Like that's what they're using to make their plans, and it's just a table. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, uh, Kira and Dax definitely killed somebody in that fighter. Oh yeah, uh, so that did happen. That I mean, someone's probably going to want to talk about that after this I is over. I imagine so. This guy, this guy from Wings, he tells the other guy that he escaped, that he was let go because he promised Cisco amnesty. This is the worst lie that anyone could ever come up with. How come the general didn't say, really? Because we beamed you out of there. He was their prisoner, and they let him go because he promised them amnesty? It's bonkers that the other guy did not call bullshit on that. Yeah, it's it's whack. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> By the way, let's talk about General What's-His-Name here for a minute. He gets on that station, he's hella suspicious... And so he sits in Cisco's office and doesn't do anything. He yelled that baseball a lot, though. He's just like, oh, this just doesn't seem right. <laughs> it's true that the other guy at least yeah, tries do whatever to you do want, shit. Colonel Day. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> he got it's. There's something in the office. It makes you delegate and not care. That's right. That's exactly right. It's not Cisco's. It's probably fault. a virus that came through the wormhole. No, dude, it's a trap that Ducat left. I bet. Some kind no, of Cardassian technology. Um, future technology is awesome, dude. They mended Kira's hip without changing her out of that terrible burned-up uniform. That is correct. They just went whoop, 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 over her hip, I bet. Can you... We already talked about it, but can you think of anything that might be driving the guy from Wings to be so bad? Uh, no, it's very unclear. Even after they have lost the day, he does a real desperate, I'm gonna kill Cisco thing. Which I guess would have it... done what? I guess it's possible that he is actually a member of the Circle, whereas General What's-His-Name just got in bed with the Circle. Maybe. I don't know if they mention it, but that'd be, that would be a way to look at it. Uh, I gave the MVP to uh, Lee Nollis, one for the road. That's right. He, uh, he took one for the team right there in the end. So. Uh, I did a little math. Okay. I gave this episode 15 points. Eh. You gave this episode 20 points. Oh, okay. So the total is 35. That still puts it in third place this week, but it's also still six points above DS9's average, so... It is also currently third place out of three, so... Third place out of three, yes. Yeah. But it didn't beat Space Seed, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, Space Seed had all that good world building, so... Um, two more chances. Two more opportunities to not award this week to Skin of Evil. All right. What we and, got? Uh, the first of those opportunities is... Parturition. Uh, it means birth. Hmm. All right. Uh, first, uh, Paris and Kess are having a flirty little moment in a shuttle simulation, yeah. and uh, and Neelix sees it. Great. Then. Janeway and Chakotay make the super smart decision that the ship needs to stop at a planet nicknamed Planet Hell. God, I hope there's caves on that planet. Uh, then, uh, Tom Paris shows up at Harry Kim's place hmm. and makes him play his clarinet for him. Uh-huh. And announces that he is in love with Cass. Oh, boy. So. That's real. Yep, so that happened. Um, let's see. Uh, Neelix and Paris have a spaghetti fight. 
in the middle of which uh, Janeway gives them the mission that they're going to have to go together down to this planet and search for food. Because what Voyager needs is food. You could tell because the amount they just wasted on a spaghetti fight. That's right. Uh, the shuttle crashes. Of course. Uh, Voyager comes under attack. By the way, do we have a running shuttle tally yet on Voyager? I think this is the first one that crashes. Okay, good. Let's start one then. Let's start one. They remember that they cannot resupply. Yep. Okay. Um, Paris and Neelix find a cave and they seal themselves in because uh, earlier the doctor revealed that the air on this planet would make you itchy. Uh, he also revealed, and but it doesn't seem to come up again, that he just constantly spies on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tells the captain he's been spying on her conversations on the bridge. Denies that he's a voyeur, but I don't buy it. No, not at all. I've seen that guy in his creepy foot stuff. Who knows what other shit he's got going on. Yeah, I don't like that guy. Yeah. Um. So then this spaceship that's mysteriously been attacking gets in between Voyager and the planet for, I think, plot reasons. Yeah. Just to make it take a little bit longer for Voyager to get down there and help Paris and, and Neelix. They need to have something to do up there. So while they're down there, they find three eggs, and one of them immediately hatches into a puppet. In the instant, the instant they walk into the room, it becomes a puppet. Uh, then Neelix and Paris wildly speculate about what the creature might be hmm. for for a good long time. Yep. It turns out they're right about everything, but who cares? Yeah, it's a reptile puppet. That it's got a it's got too big a brain. It's probably sentient, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh huh. It's bipedal. Uh also Paris discovers that the baby needs to eat the itch vapors. So, you know, the emotional scene that you expect plays out where Neelix and Paris make up over feeding this baby from a hypo spray. Hmm. Then an adult lizard takes the baby, and then they beam up to safety, and then Kess is happy that they're friends now. It's cool. It's good stuff. Yeah. Hey, what's this about? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> a, shared, a shared trauma or experience can bring even rivals together. I'm comfortable calling this low concept. <laughs> it is low concept. You can do better, sci-fi writers. I gave it a four. All right. Um, well, let's see if this sounds familiar. Mm. If you give people who hate each other even a minor crisis to overcome, they can become best friends. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Parentheses, same as last week. I, I'm getting the feeling that you felt a little cynical about this. Well, this is the ex- listen. Yep. Last week when the ship was getting all twisted, and they decided to pair off in some weird into new a combos. Pretzel. And they all paired off into weird combos, and then everyone revealed that they didn't like each other. Yeah, right. And that they never had. Yep. Why? Again, the next week. Again, they scored so high last week. They got so many points from us that they knew that they should. The very next week. They should double down. This this Voyager got nine points total last week. How dare they? How dare they give us the same plot? (laughs) Last week I couldn't find a take. This one I found. Yeah, no. That's why I got three points. Because this one's a little more obvious. Because last week all of that happening was kind of incidental. Yeah, we couldn't figure out anything else that might And in the end they just had to do nothing and wait. Yeah. Alright, so it's gotten four and three. What did Ben give it? 
Ben, uh, Ben gave it a three. All right. Right on, right on track. <laughs> he said it was somewhere between sitcom fodder and high school morality. Yep. Yeah, he's right. Uh, what'd you do on the executions? I gave it a three. Okay. Um, the puppet was very distracting. <laughs> this episode covered the same emotional ground as the last episode. Yeah. Tubok even looks annoyed at Chakotay at one point for stealing his thunder. I also got that. And also, they get into trouble exploring again. Yeah. But just nothing good happened. Agreed. Nothing good happened. I feel like you should almost have to give a reason it's as high as a three, given what you said. <laughs> I won't make you, but I'm just... Sometimes I do that, where I say nothing but bad things, and I go, oh, how did it even get a three? <laughs> I think maybe it got three-tenths on all of those factors. <laughs> I mean, whatever. kind of, like... Um, I also yeah. gave it a three, dog. Okay. They got, all right. They get, I see what's in the cards for this episode. <laughs> they get to bond together in a cave. But guess what happens in caves in Voyager? They should never go in a cave. Every cave has been bad. So then they don't just bond over conversation and acceptance of one another as just dudes. They get to raise a baby together. Great. Yep. I know I already knocked them for characterization, but this plot isn't going anywhere with such unlikable characters. It, no, no, it, they exactly. They have to raise a flower sack baby or, yep. like, keep an egg from breaking and for a week. Now the bully and the nerd are going to get along or whatever. Right. They couldn't think of anything for the people on the ship to do, so they try, like, hell to mount a rescue. I feel like that happens every week. Yep. That the B-plot is somebody trying to rescue the A-plot. Oh, don't forget that Kess immediately turns to the doctor to figure out what's going on. I'm just saying, Neelix's jealousy is still mis still misdirected. <laughs> Never gets it right. He figured out that Tom Paris likes Kess. He hasn't figured out that Kess likes the Doctor yet. Oh boy, uh, Ben gave it uh, three as well on execution. So we're all we're kind of in line on this piece of shit. Uh, world building. I got I got a lot in here. Ready for this? I want to hear it. I got to hear all of it. Tom Paris could hear the clarinet through the doors of Harry's quarters. That's not good. Those seem like thin walls or doors don't close all the way or something. Um, more stuff about supply problems and replicator rationing and Neelix's food. Not really new, but there it is. Doctor was sitting in front of a centrifuge, but one that looked pretty old school to me. Yeah, well. Maybe we decided we were doing it better before. Now, how well could you spin something? Uh, according to Kess, nobody has ever had relationship drama among the Ocampa. Ah, oh, well, she's two years old. What does she know? <laughs> no idea whether to believe she's that She's spent or half not. of her life not with the Okampa at this point. <laughs> Trigenic vapors are really itchy. Yep. We'll never get to the TNG episode, The Chase. <laughs> but the more I think about it, the more it explains all, all of the alien planets and life forms in Star Trek. Like, it is a huge band-aid, but how else can we explain why all of the same forms of life you see on Earth appear in every other part of the galaxy? This is a dino baby. Yeah, it's it's very bold. Obviously, this episode doesn't get credit for the chase. I'm just I was thinking about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I gave it three. Okay. Well, let me let me flip back to my notes and see what I gave it. Oh, I gave it a two. Here's what I had for world building. <laughs> 
One week of replicator rations equals one clarinet. Oh, we were doing this last week with the uh, the gift that the, Paris the gave The small necklace that was worth... Was it worth two weeks? It was at least two weeks. <clears throat> Hyposprays can suck in gas. Okay. Voyager is now down a shuttle. Oh, I good. assume that's going to be important uh, in yeah, the future. That would be... If they're smart, it will matter. <laughs> I don't think there was much else happening world building wise. There okay. are there are lizard men, yeah. but is that anything yet? I don't. I doubt it. I doubt that it. Doesn't seem to be anything. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Characterization. Hit it. The doctor is a creeper. Yes, he is. Neelix is very jealous. Yeah. Again. Janeway is not at all interested in helping to solve Neelix and Paris's issues. <laughs> No, seems to kind of like she's extra glad that she's going to get to pair these two together because they hate each other. Yep. Uh, Cass is kind of a roller coaster of emotions. Well, you know, she's two now, so. I gave it a four. Okay. And I think that that is mostly because finally this jealousy thing is coming to a head. Like maybe, and they're dealing with it. Like maybe, hopefully, we could not talk about it anymore. But now he's already said they're in, that he's in love with her. Oh boy! I gave it a three. What? what okay, as much as a three. Uh, I really don't want to see Star Trek characters creeping on each other's girls. I especially don't want to see any two-year-olds romantically involved with anybody. So we're off to a great start, Tom Paris and Kess. Then dude says they're in love, or that he's in love. Fuck. Yeah. Then they gave Kess a real bad attitude with the doctor, who we know is the real one to worry about here. She's all grumpy, like, oh, boys are the worst. Kess, here's a good one, has always been interested in autopsies. Yeah, that's a fun one. Great. Um, let's see. We get to say hi to Jealous Neelix again. Not a fan of this kind of continuity. Kim still plays the clarinet, but does not do a credible impression of his Asian mom. Then they give Kim a line that shows how little he knows about old Chinese expressions. But instead of saying, it's because I'm Korean, Tom, the writers (laughs) just went, I'll look same. That's true. I was really waiting for him to say, well, I'm Korean. So, I don't know all those. So very good. But no, they don't give you that explanation. They they don't know. The writers don't know. Kim also gets to be the sympathetic friend to Kes, who is shockingly easy to comfort. Yeah. Uh, the doctor eavesdrops on bridge conversations, and he gets real creepy with Kes when she's upset with Neelix in Paris. Uh, for sure. Not a fan of him. What was the last episode that, like, really strongly featured Janeway in the A-plot? Like, I I can't even remember. Sure you can. It was. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what what are they doing? We saw this in season one on DS9. Dog, it was the 37s. That was the beginning of this season. Yeah, that was six weeks ago. That's, and that episode barely had an A-plot. Ugh. Yes. But she talks a lot about how much she's Amelia Earhart in that one for real-life reasons that don't make sense in-universe. That's exactly correct. Um, Tuvok doesn't like it when his old nemesis, Jacote, steals his thunder. That's right. 
Now that I know they're old enemies, this all makes a lot more sense. Uh, I think it's another collection of unlikable people, traits, and scenes. Only salvaged by Paris and Neelix finding a way to come to terms. And that's why it's as high as a three. Yeah. I'll, I'll do some math, but surely you have quick hitters. Bunch of dildo meat this episode. Um, silly food fight with bad voiceovers. Like some real bad added A lot in, of bad ADR. Piped in ADR. So Voyager's telling us that Kess is the Tasha Yar of this show. Everyone on the ship wants to nail her, even though she's two. And they keep telling us she's two. They said it again this week, don't worry. Yeah. Also, she was definitely then not even one when she came on board. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. Um, Neelix and Paris are going to learn to respect each other by roughing it on this planet. This is Again, these are as-I-go notes. Yeah. Uh, they go into a cave and shoot the fucking doors out so they are protected from the vapors. Two questions. How are they going to breathe? Yeah. And where's all the light coming from? Because even oh. before they shoot those rocks, they can clearly see everything in the cave. Are you ready for question three? Yeah. Isn't the cave just full of vapor? I assume the cave is full of the same air that they it are trying to It should be full of vapor, from. right? Ugh. Ugh. That's how diffusion works. Ugh. And then I have, oh, hey, they went in a cave. Guess what's next? I didn't know it would be a baby, but I knew it would be something. Oh, for sure it would have been great if the, the fucking Viridians just stole <laughs> Paris's organs this time. Uh, the baby from Dinosaurs. They like caves. The baby from Dinosaurs, the TV show, came out of that egg. Yeah. Knocked the That's very bad. I did definitely write, hey, it's the baby from Dinosaurs. Neelix wants to know how it is in the Alpha Quadrant in regard to leaving newborn babies unattended. Why doesn't Tom Paris tell him about the Prime Directive? That's a good question. Is it because he's a rebel? <laughs> and he doesn't care about it? Or what? Because he doesn't tell him. They definitely do have a rule that would apply. It's like a really good introduction. You'd be like, this is a really good time to talk about the Prime Directive. You'd be like, hey, we found a egg? I'm... <laughs> There's no real good reason to believe this is from a warp-capable species. I think we're in Prime Directive territory. <laughs> we should probably leave the egg alone and not do much with the egg. That's a egg. Um, we went in a robo, for sure. How, how do you get to play Dino Mom on this show? Like, that's not oh, an actor, a good, right? It's a real good question. That's just a crew no, that's member? No, definitely a PA. A crew, a crew member who was, like, voluntold to do that? <laughs> it's probably Darian Wallace. <laughs> Because I can't, I don't know what the audition for that would look like. Uh, can we talk about, I don't know if we can do this, but can we talk about the teaser image for the next episode? Oh, let me look at it real quick. You bring up the teaser image and tell me what this looks like. I don't uh, remember what it was, let's see. But I have part of the description, which is hollow novel characters come to life. Maybe those little kids will come back. That would be really cool. But it won't be cool. We can be pretty sure that whatever happens won't be cool. That's the teaser image? I just have Janeway holding her hands in front of her mouth. Oh, okay. Maybe I meant maybe I meant the teaser description, or maybe they changed oh, the image. Okay. Uh, but well, let me click on the. Yeah, I don't. Those hollow novel kids might come back, dude. Well, look, that'd be great. Everyone wants those hollow novel kids to come back. That little boy is the best actor in the show. Except we know it won't be cool. Like it's pretty clear that whatever oh, they're yeah. gonna do is gonna suck. Now it's never been cool, and it's not gonna be cool. The Voyager crew enters a new region of space and begins to see hallucinations. The Captain Caesar Hollow Novel characters come to life. How right? exciting. It's possible. Um, MVP Harry Kim got to play the clarinet, bro down with his best bud Tom, talked to a girl. 
That's right. Dear Diary, dude. Am Not I right? Not just a girl. The main girl on the ship. The hot girl. The hot two-year-old. That's right. Smoking hot two-year-old on the ship. Fresh hot two-year-old. <laughs> hey, is it pretty clear that Voyager has become the worst? Like, for a while, DS9 was very clearly the worst, but now it's pretty clear Voyager's the worst show, right? Yeah. Okay. No, it has happened. Um, That's what I got. Okay, I got some quick hitters. All right, hit it. Set a course for Planet Hell, Commander, says Janeway. <laughs> That's a thing hey, that does, someone should say. Does anything sound dopier than a lone clarinet with no accompaniment? It's one of the dopiest sounding instruments. It's true that he doesn't bother to have any kind of backing. He's, he's not He's not playing along like when Picard is trying to play his flute and he keeps getting interrupted. Yeah, he's just like all by himself. He hears the music in his head. Uh, Neelix's pepper grinder that he keeps in his quarters really looks dildonic to me. <laughs> I hope that's a wet the way to say that. <laughs> I hope that something being like a dildo is dildonic. Um, the what was the last successful camera trick or clever shooting trick? Was it Remick and the computer turnaround? Mm, yeah. Probably, like, in terms of a trick, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you know what it wasn't? It wasn't cutting that briefing off halfway through. Yeah, that was actually kind of weird. It's like a weird jump cut. In like, we get through the part of the briefing where Neelix and Tom Paris are going to have to go down there, and then it's just fucking cut to next scene. Did they even do something cool, like in Wing Commander? He's like, next up is Beta Wing. And then it's like, your mind wanders no. while the commander gives out other assignments, or whatever. No, it wasn't cool. No. It's never been as cool as Wing Commander. No, it never will be, either. Uh, is the doctor doing a voice in this episode? Did, did he have a cold? Uh, what was, he just sounded weird the whole episode to me. In half of the episodes, the doctor sounds like he has a cold. Okay. And I don't know if he's going for a thing. Is the doctor trying to flirt with Kess in the scene that you're only two years old? You have there's a, you have a yes. lot to learn about what to look for in men scene? Yes. Yes, he okay. is. That's what I was So thinking. he's not... Or is he just a real weirdo pervert now? Both. Okay. Both. Definitely flirting with her, though, right? Yes. He had that parallels moment where he was married to her in a fantasy, so now he thinks about it. It's just... She's Tasha Yar, dog. They'll never stop telling us how desired she is. Setting DCA pulse order to neutral, Neelix says. Ooh, that's some, that's some really, really good techno babble. Neutral, he sets it to. Well, that's what you... Obviously. Paris's dad taught at the academy. I thought he was like an admiral. Maybe he served in the time that was still kind of like a uh, leftover from Kirk's time when everybody served. No, he taught Paris at the academy. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's one of those really involved. He's like a helicopter parent. When, um, when Neelix takes his jacket off to wrap up the baby, he looks like, uh, when Lister has the space mumps. (laughs) He's got that leather vest, and then most of his head is messed up, and he's got, like, hair on top, and it goes into, like, a long part. It's not a dread. <laughs> he looks like Space Mom Plister. I know what you're talking about. I, uh, I wish Neelix had said, I did save her life from locusts. <laughs> that would have been better. Uh, Matthew, I gave best actor to No One Did Any Good Acting. Okay. 
and worst actor to Neelix. Yeah, uh, deserved. Math- mathematically, this episode did not do great. Okay. I gave it 12 points. That's not good. You gave it 13 points. Also not good. Uh, in case For you're it- curious, Ben gave it 10. <laughs> For a total of 25 points. Um, I mean, it's better than last week when they got 9, but... I gave it 10 more points than last week. That is true. So. However, the, the Voyager average is 28.67, and it's been declining every week. Mm-hmm. This is still below that, the worst average. They're not. They're really giving it all away, man. They're giving everything away. They went off. They started off promising. And they have walked back that promise. Yep. Now I would be extremely surprised if a decent episode came out. Like, if it happened, I would be, I, I'd be very happy to watch something that wasn't a garbage episode, but I, I would be shocked. Uh, so that puts them in last place so far this week. Skin of Evil still on top. We do have one more episode. Matthew, this week we watched Fallen Hero. <laughs> Johnny Five alive, dude. Goddamn right. Alive. Um, alright. These these old bastards, they gotta go they gotta get some shore leave because T'Pol's concerned about everyone's sex lives. So they're gonna go to Risa and get some Jamaharone, but I don't know if they th- they don't know it's called that yet, probably. But guess no, what? They've never been to Risa before. Guess what? It got, it, it, they can't go on the shore leave because the Ma- Mazarites, the Mazarites are kicking out the Vulcan ambassador, and they gotta go pick her up and take her back to the Vulcans. And it's a real emergency, so they go, they go pick her up from the Mazarites. But shortly after they retrieve her and start heading back, these guys catch up, and they're like, "Oh no, you know what? We want her back. We'd like to have her back if we can." Um, and then there's a lot of shooting because it's Enterprise. There's a lasers shooting around, and um, this lady eventually reveals that she's uh, she's supposed to be testifying against these bad, bad Mazarites, and that their government's really corrupt and run by run by criminals. And she's supposed to be like in there testifying against them, and they're trying to kill her, and that's what it's all about. Uh, eventually, they get saved by a Vulcan ship. That comes to their rescue when they're outnumbered by these Mazarite ships. Meanwhile, there's some shit going on where T'Pol's like, oh, this lady is my idol. But then she's like real familiar and tells jokes and wants to shake hands and doesn't mind the humans. Which uh, which sort of rubs T'Pol the wrong way. I guess that's kind of a subplot. Anyway. What, what do you think this episode was about? Okay, here's what I have. All right. Trust has to be earned. But that process is already underway. Okay. For this specific crew. And between humans and Vulcans. Right. Here's the problem with that. It's nothing. Of course trust has to be earned. <laughs> Who says otherwise? Hey, no, it's, a three, it's a three-point take. It's a real cold take. That is it's the cold. You it's get, extremely cold. You get these but maybe you thought it was about something else. That thematically are not really saying anything. They're just like, yeah, no, I know. Yes. Okay. We got you. What, but so what? 
Um, I had for the second time this week. Nothing brings people together like shared adversity. <laughs> Meaning, in I this guess. in this case, Archer learns to trust a Vulcan, and a Vulcan learns to trust Archer because they're in they're in they're in the shit together. Um, that's worth a f- that's worth a four because that's what it was worth on the other one. Yeah, I guess it. You can't really punish. Enterprise for being the second person in this week to take that take. Yeah. Um, execution. This um, this whole episode kind of felt like they wanted to do something about Vulcans, but they couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> it's it, it's you think it's going to be about this lady based on the episode title alone. You think it's going to be about this lady not living up to T'Pol's standards or whatever, like never meet your heroes. But then in the end, maybe she, she surprises T'Pol because her, her uh, strange ways end up saving the day or something. But it's not about that at all. Yeah. It's like, it's just more stuff about Archer and Vulcans. More of the same. And, um, so it, I don't know. It's kind of like a sign on the road. Like here's when they had a nice time with a Vulcan. And that's, like, what the whole episode is, so that later on they can have more backstory built up between him and the Vulcans. But, like, really, we've got enough. We've got enough that of that in the tank now. Um, good to see him get along. Bad to see all the same Archer garbage along the way. Seems like it was... Like I said, it was only made so the next time we do a Vulcan episode we'll have more extra background. Nothing meaningful happened. I gave it a five. Okay. Yeah, um... We're not too far off on this. I mean, also gave it a five. I think it was probably a good idea to expand this Earth Vulcan conflict a little bit beyond just Archer and T'Pol. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's nice to see T'Pol explain why the humans feel the way they do. And suggest that the Vulcans need to take that into account in some way. Like, at least she has been convinced that... Right. Whether it's fair, this is how the humans feel about it. Right. Whether they did it for the right reasons or not, that she understands how they feel right. in some way. Um, the flip side of that is, how hack is this witness protection angle? Like, Really? She's turning state's evidence? Yeah. That's what's going on here? Yeah. Like... And then it totally this is undercuts... A, this is a bad plot from Bones. And this it, is not... It totally undercuts the whole thing between her and T'Pol. Because, like, T'Pol's like, oh my god, she's like a criminal and all this. So she admits to doing this, like, she's bad and everything. And it's like, well, no, nah, I mean, she's just... She's trying to help the Maserites out, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's like, but it's not like the message of the episode is don't, don't rush to judgment. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I gave it a five because I think, I think that that work with, with T'Pol is good work for the show. Yeah. But the rest of the show is kind of nothing. That's why, yeah, uh, this exact same reason. I thought it was good that where they got to. But the episode was uh, not a winner by any means. Yeah. Um, world building. Mm. They done did some. Okay, what do we got? 
I mean, not to the extent that Spacey did, but. All right. Uh, Nuvian masseuses. All right. Yep. That's that's a real Matthew you just pulled. Uh, phase cannons can't be fired at warp. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's one. Um, Vulcan ships can go as fast as warp seven. You're right. Also, they have combat cruisers. Yeah, the Vulcans are real down for combat. Yeah. Uh, space snitches get space stitches. <laughs> okay, yep. Important. Uh, there was one thing that really pissed me off, though, and that is... Uh, the difference between warp 4.8 and warp 4.9 has got to be more than 5,000 kilometers per second. I think that has to be true, yeah. Like, it's just gotta be. So when they're going... Warp 4.9 and Enterprise is only going Warp 4.8. They have a dumb race. And and Reed calls out that they're 20,000 kilometers away. Yeah. 15,000 kilometers away. Hey, that's um, that's a 60th of the speed of light. Yeah. That can't be the difference between Warp 4.8 and 4.9. Don't use real world measurements if you're not going to do some math. I agree. Like I know. Who knows how fast Warp 4.9 is? Oh, but somebody knows. It's in the tech manual. It's somebody's it job to know, damn it. We right. know they had a science advisor, and the science advisor's job was not to teach anyone science. It was just to make sure that the internal logic of the show worked. Just make them further away than 20,000. It doesn't matter, yeah, right? Yeah, None you. of it matters, but it pisses me off when they invite me to do some math like that. Yeah. And then the math doesn't make any sense. Unlike what happened with Voyager, where the math kind of did make sense. Right. The last time this happened. I gave it a four. Mm. So you convinced me to go as high as a three because I didn't have the thing about the phasers not being able to fire a warp. But other than that, I had Mazar as a planet. <laughs> yep. These Ma- Mazarites, Mazarites, whatever they are, have shields. Enterprise only has polarized hull plating. Right. And the Mazarites have faster ships, too. So add the phasers on there. That's a. I'll give it a three. And Vulcans can go warp seven. I kind of. I feel like we already knew the Vulcans were faster. I didn't really. It didn't really matter to me how much okay. faster they're faster. Three is fair. It's very fair for this episode. Um, and just to catch us up through this amount, Ben had a five for take, five for execution, and also a three for world building. His take okay. was: "It's never easy when a hero lets you down," because Archer said it. Uh, I think his take is, have faith in your heroes. If you read all the way through. Oh, yeah, have faith in your heroes. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, all right. Um, and he gave it that five for general execution of the episode. Like, this episode doesn't trip all over its own dick. I mean, we, like some. we all gave it the same. We all gave it a five, just based yeah. on nothing happened. To, like they couldn't, there was nothing to execute that could give it a lot of points. But, right. yeah, yeah, it was fine. It's fine. Um characterization uh let's see to paul who still sounds sick to me is curious about the staff's sexual activities that's right and then she spends a lot of time not being able to figure this vulcan lady out trip wears loud shirts and smirks when people talk about sex reed and trip like ladies with too many fingers Mm-hmm. That was the only way I could think of the right way to put the help the number. That was too many fingers. Um, and Reed likes killing people with the ship's weapons. That's, by the way, very on yeah, in character for Reed. He's into the uh, 
getting into that combat. Uh, Archer's right back into his Vulcans were mean to my daddy nonsense. Yeah. Ultimately, he doesn't even do all of it himself in this this time. To Paul does some of it for him. Yeah. Ultimately, he finds common ground with this old lady, and they part on good terms, which is nice. Though uninteresting, the episode, uh, the crew did at least seem kind of on the ball this week. They all did their jobs and shit, and they made it through. I gave it a five. I was a little less enamored of it. Okay. Uh, I only gave it as much as a two. Oh, dang! Um, so again, we use another Vulcan as a proxy to show how close Paul has become to the crew. Mm-hmm. When she's not in an out of left field conflict with Hoshi, which happens again in this episode, you mean a uh, Tuvok Chakotay style conflict? Yeah, it's a real Tuvok Chakotay style conflict that she has with Hoshi for two episodes now. <laughs> and uh, Archer is like a weird, stubborn baby who decides to take the ambassador back to the planet where she will be killed because she won't share state secrets with him. <laughs> And then he tells Admiral Forrest, and Admiral Forrest is like, well, I guess do what you gotta do. You're, you're, you're on the scene. You're the commander on the scene. Yep. It's not good, yes. That's not good. Oh, and no one else is in it, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I see your point. So, uh, because I didn't love either of those characterizations, I mean, listen, again, I think they did good work by having to Paul explain the human position as an intermediary, but unfortunately, why is she fighting with Hoshi again in this episode? I don't know. Why is she being shitty about Hoshi leaving one picture behind in her quarters? Because they don't have anything for Hoshi to do. Yeah. So I guess it's fight with to Paul is what she can do because they're ladies yeah, and sucks. ladies get into cat fights. I don't know. I don't know! Boo, Boo I say. Yeah. Alright, I have some quick hitters. Go for it. Please no Risa. <laughs> You were very worried. You messaged me. I was me so concerned. Worried that they were going to go to Risa. It was good that you were able to tell me, don't worry, they don't make it to Risa. <laughs> I would have been fine if they all died. <laughs> yeah, I think we all uh, T'Pol is older than she looks. Okay. Uh, the Treaty of Catan is my least favorite Settler spinoff. Mm, yeah. It's the most boring, for sure. Right. Um, this is just a general appeal to all sci-fi writers. Maybe stay away from words that sound like Nubian. I know. I thought they said that at first. Well, yes, thankfully they repeat it later and you can hear the V a little more clearly. Yeah. Um, of course, of course, of course Archer drinks passion fruit iced tea. (laughs) (laughs) It is. That's pretty typical. He's so emotional, you know? It's just, um... He's that kind of guy. Uh, and then the guns that the Mazarites have are just like... Just like some Glocks that have PVC pipe glued to the top. Well... This is very, it's a very sad prop. Yeah. Uh, but... I do love that Vulcan ship! With the... The fucking cylinder and the... That's right. The ring? I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a it's actually kind of a canoe shape, hmm. but it does have that annular warp engine. Is that it? That's it. Yeah, we never have a lot on these. Um, efficiency is down three percent, dog. That's because people ain't fucking. I don't know what that means in real terms, 
like how that's yes. modified, but she said it. Efficiency's down 3%. Yes, across all of the functions on and systems on the ship, efficiency is down 3%. That's ridiculous. Um, is that... Is it 97% engine efficiency? Because Trip is probably just thinking about how the next time he meets a lady, he's definitely going to have sex with her. That's right. Next time he's there to help them in some way. He is the Riker of this show. He should not be allowed to meet aliens. Um, They made Hoshi give up her cabin because, I don't know, racist reasons? I can't, I don't know why. Why her? Do they say? Maybe they thought the girl ambassador would like to stay in a girl's quarters. <laughs> so this lady... Was Data's mom, and was also Curzon's lover. In the I Dax, didn't know about Curzon in the Dax episode that we hated, but still scored fine. Um, she did look familiar. I didn't put it together. Yeah, that was uh, Data's mom when she's a robot. When spoiler alert for when we do that episode in twenty years, Data's mom's a robot. Um, Archer disabled the enemy's engines, but their weapons were still working. And for once, something believable happened in a Star Trek fight. Like, they're, like, celebrating. They're like, yeah, we disabled them. Oh, and them. they just go to warp and take off. And then they get shot again, and they go, oh, yeah, we <clears throat> we forgot. We didn't disable their weapons. <laughs> it's yeah. like a million times in Star Trek, they, like, shoot out their engines, and the other guys stop shooting. And you go, oh, wow, they quit really easy. Um, MVP? I'll go with Reed. He had a lot to do this week. Got to shoot some enemy ships. Uh, play around with jamming signals, talk about Risa. He, he, he was active. Agreed. And, and I hate all of them. <laughs> I, hate, I hate all of them. <laughs> um, ben, by the way, finishes up with a five in characterization as well. So. Yeah, so we're all around the same numbers. Except I gave it a two, but that's fine. Yeah. It's what, fine that I gave it a different score. What did the math say? All right, mathematically, I give this episode 14 points. It's not great. Nope, still beat Voyager, though. You give this episode 17 points. Better. Better. 30, uh, those two points. numbers add to 31, yeah. which puts it in fourth place this week. All right. Is that above their average? What's their average? What does Landry say? It is as so close to their average as to be meaningless, so their average is 30.67. Oh, so nice. 30.6.7. This is basically exactly an average episode of Enterprise. Okay. Well, that's how it felt. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like an average episode of Enterprise. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm, so the winner. Skin. Yeah, the winner this week at uh, 45 points, surprisingly, is Skin of Evil. Nice job, Skin of Evil. Nice job, TNG. Killing it these days. Though Ben only gave yes, it a 13, indeed. remember? Yeah, Ben was not uh, did not agree with us on this one. That is TNG's ninth win. Damn. That makes them tied again with uh, with TOS. So, neck and neck. Um, next best after those two is Enterprise with two wins. Mm. Um, and, in fact, Enterprise now has the third highest average score also. Because so, DS9's it, digging itself out of such a fat hole, and Voyager's <laughs> creating such a fat right. hole. DS9's on the way up, and Voyager's on the way down. Uh, Voyager, by the way, has comfortably passed into last place, and with the lowest uh, score this week, they're going to stay there. Yeah, I mean, it's been and really bad. DS9 is going to gain four more points on Enterprise, but that's not going to be enough for those two to switch positions. So It used to be the pain was knowing you'd have to watch a Deep Space Nine, but now the pain is definitely you have to watch a Voyager to do this project. <laughs> yeah, and the knowledge that the next episode is a holodeck yep. episode. 
Oh, and no, it's not just that. It's a hallucinations episode <laughs> involving holodeck characters. We're really, we're in for a treat. That seems like it will be rough. Um, Luckily, it is not the only episode we're going to watch next week. So yeah, what else? What do we, what do we if, got? If and you're going to play along, we will be watching A Taste of Armageddon. Mm. We'll always have Paris. Oh, no. That was not, maybe not, so, not oh, looking forward to that oh, so much. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. Once we watch it, we never have to watch it again. Uh, I think I will hold to that, actually. Uh, for Deep Space Nine, we're watching Invasive Procedures. I don't know what that is. Could be anything. Yep. Voyager, Persistence of Vision. We already know it's about hallucinations. And Enterprise, Desert Crossing. Interesting. Yes. I bet someone will talk about a desert early in the episode, but it won't really be important. Maybe that's what'll happen. (laughs) Yeah, the names this week were very bad for various reasons. Yeah. Space Seed doesn't make any sense. Skin of Evil's so on the nose. Yeah. The Siege is inaccurate. Yep. Parturition's just a dumb... Parturition is crazy. It's just that why do they... They're not even trying to be accessible. None of their episode titles make any sense. And then... And, uh... Again, Fallen Hero is a real mislead. Yep, not about that at all. Bad job. Would be, well, would be a mislead if it was intentional. That's right. Whoever named it names it the way I name the episodes that we do, which is I get ten minutes in and I go, I don't know, we talked about that. Yep. And that's how I name our episodes. Uh, well, well uh, it's a good time to do a reminder. I'm actually going to be uh, traveling next week. So That's right. we will not have the mailbag next week. We'll have it when I return. So we get an extra week. Uh, all of you get an extra week for to stay away from the Star Treks. But we, we just won't have a pod next week. So everything will get shifted back. Yeah, I actually probably will take some time off before I start watching them. <laughs> because one time I watched them all right away. And then I didn't remember shit when it was time to pod. Yeah. I, I'm combating that by writing a lot more stuff down. But still. And not only that, it is nice to have the break. Yeah, because I I do find that I if I have to start watching them right away again, I'm not I don't have the enthusiasm. I, I can at least work myself up a little bit if I give it some time. Be like, what's Kurt gonna do this week? Probably crazy. Well, you know the exciting thing about we'll always have Paris is that the week after that is conspiracy. Yeah, that is the exciting thing about next week is that the week after will be good. That's right. <laughs> We've had bad weeks before. Maybe this next one will surprise us. I didn't expect it for a skin of evil to be the winner yeah. so maybe we'll always have paris we'll um no yeah, it won't, it won't. It's it's no, no chance it's not gonna do that all right uh, everybody if you want to tweet at us for their next mailbag send us uh, some mail that's at brother date subscribe etc you know where to find us bye knock the mama no, he no. I mean, look objectively as a man. Just saying, man wise, <laughs> oh, he's super handsome. Just man wise, mainly, he w- he was looking pretty good, except for the fake brown makeup. The yeah. Please subscribe.